Hello, happy campers. At long, long last, Spike, Chris, and the show is geeking out, and boy, it's been a ridiculous month, Chris. I gotta admit, we've, uh, for one reason or another, I'm sick, you're sick, we're both sick for, for sick, or something or other's going on, and we're not able to get together and do these little podcasts until now, but. Well, last week, last weekend. When last we. It was a snowstorm. I had to walk in it. And I started to cough and sneeze. So I just figured maybe I shouldn't just in case it turns See, into something. See, now you're learning. There you go. So, anyway. yay! Yay! All right. So, <laughs> we have... It's been, what, three weeks since we recorded anything? Yes. We've got a lot of stuff to talk about, so we'll... Let's start by getting some of these reviews out of the way. Did you want... Well, let's go ahead and do ba the, the Batman first. Little Batman, yes. The uh, Batman. I, mean, I wrote stuff down just... To, yeah. Chris has written stuff down. Chris, why don't you review for us what is The Batman? It's only been the, the number one movie in the country for the past two weeks. Yeah, that's doing pretty good, actually. Um, so, The Batman with, the Robert, Batman with Robert Pattinson as Sparkles. Batman. Yes, Mr. Sparkles. Sparkly. Directed by Matt Reeves. Uh, this is supposed to take basically the more of the noir detective side of Batman and like make, make it interesting. Which, I love the way you're doing your hands for an audio <laughs> podcast. That is hilarious. I'm trying to like figure out the worst like put it. For those of you who aren't aware, let me take an aside here for a second. We, I have pretty much given up on trying to shoot video because it's just our two ugly mugs. We're also recording at Casa del Chris right now, so you may be hearing traffic from the... Because every time we start recording at Chris's place, every a-hole with, with holes in his muffler comes roaring up and down North Maysville Street in Mount Sterling where we record which is the home of Casa del Chris, right above the mental health facility, incidentally. So, <laughs> you know, I love telling people that. that I is, think not. I think not, but anyway. <laughs> so anyway, the, uh, so now I'm just, we're just recording the, the audio podcast is like the raw format of the show. This is where we put the entire show out, and I'll come up with a few little... Uh, video things to put on the YouTube channel and stuff, so you get little snippets of stuff we do over there. When, if and when I get around to doing it, and boy, that is not very likely, because we did, I think three weeks ago, we did an hour-long podcast, and I think I put out 15 minutes of video. <laughs> so it's a little shop talk it there. Is, it is. But back to Bat Sparkles. Anyway. Sparkles! You were saying that it's more of a noir detective it, type thing. Yeah, and that's what I liked about it. Um, was this the best Batman movie ever? No. Um, will I actually watch it again? Here's the thing, okay? This is one of those movies that I, I consider good, but will I ever watch it again? No. And remember, I am a, I am a Batman fan. He's I a love bat fan. Batman. This movie, like it, it, it's, it's a detective murder mystery movie where you have literally the Riddler going around taking people who are corrupt and 
bringing them into the light. You know, all the bad stuff that they've done. Bringing it all into the light. Which also is not exactly the smartest plan that he has because what's the use of bringing, unleashing all of their secrets when he's just literally going to kill them? But I, I didn't understand that part. Part of that is not just killing the person keeps them from doing anything else in the future, but what the Riddler is trying to do, and there's going to be spoilers all over this review. It's been two weeks. Y'all can suck it. So, you need a bag of bat dicks, but I like it. Anyway, he's trying to destroy their legacies because he... Okay, let's let's review this. Okay, All right, let's look at this the way Uncle Juju looks at this. Okay, this is this takes far more inspiration from Detective Comics than it does from Iron Man. And let's... Can we be honest here for once? Let's be honest. Be honest. Iron Man was a ripoff of Batman. We're talking about the movies here. Okay, yeah. we're not talking about the comic books. We're talking about the movies. Yes. The first Iron Man with Morton, Dun Morton Downey Jr. Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> I was like, There's a callback. Now I'm dating myself, not like any woman ever would. But anyway. <laughs> but I'm Not that I would, because I'm a happily married man, damn it. We're looking at wow. 30th anniversary coming up here. But anyhow, <laughs> I the first Iron Man with Robert Downey Jr., that was a direct rip-off of all the Batman movies that had come before it, because by the time they made the first Iron Man, Batman was nothing more than a guy in a frickin' suit of armor, driving a tank, and just blowing stuff up, okay? Where is Batman in that? That's not Batman, that's Iron Man. Yeah. So Batman was at the Batman movies, for some insane reason... The movie makers of these Batman movies were all drawing more inspiration from Iron Man than they were from the Batman books. Okay? Right. Batman, there there are two core Batman comics. Not that the comics are relevant anymore, not after DC's finished wiping their ass with them. And we'll talk about DC's being homeless later. Uh, Image is homeless too, by the way. But anyway, the... Uh, Detective Comics it was always the more cerebral one, supposedly. And Batman was the more action-oriented thing. By the time we hit the 80s, that was the way it had divvied up. Detective Comics was where, you, where the people who liked to think went. Batman was the one where you wanted to see superheroes. Yeah. Okay? Traditionally, Batman in, on television, movies, draws more from the Batman comic side than from Detective. Okay? Now... The closest, you're going to give me an eye roll here, but the closest they ever got in pop culture to Detective Comics was Adam West in the, in the 60s Batman. Because they actually, it, they were not very good mysteries, I'm not going to say. I'm not going to say it was fantastic detective work when you can pull a bat suppository out of your bat butt and solve whatever <laughs> the, the crime of the week is, then... But at least it was an effort. It showed Batman was, in some rudimentary way, a detective. The movies completely ignored that because there was just way too much chance to use dark, moody, quote, noir settings. And then pearls hitting the pavement, and which is from the movies. That was never in the comics. And then uh, put that together with all the, like I said, the, the suits of armor the tanks and stuff, and it becomes Iron Man. You go, you go, run, you go blow your nose, see if I care. Just... Oh, keep talking, keep, keep talking. He wants me to keep on talking, so I, by golly, I can keep talking. 
the thing with detective comics is nobody over the last 40 years has really put too much thought into the detective side of Batman. He is known, or he was known, as the Dark Knight Detective. He was originally known as the Dark Detective. And the Dark Knight Detective because he operated in the middle of the night. It wasn't until Frank Miller hit it in the mid-80s that he started driving tanks, wearing suits of armors, and became the Dark Knight. <laughs> but up until then, he was known as the Dark Knight Detective. No <laughs> K. Because he operated in the night. He's a bat. That's what bats do. They operate at night. Sure. There's, there's your detective work for you. Sure. This movie has done, does more, displays more detective work than all the other Batman movies put together. Okay, except maybe for the Adam West one they did back in the 60s. They did do a movie based on that Batman. He did do a little detective work there. But, no, you know what? You can go ahead and lump that in because even with all that, like I said, it wasn't that good. So this one actually treats Batman as a detective. Bruce Wayne is an afterthought, which is good. Stop showing me Bruce Wayne. The, the movie is not called The Bruce Wayne. Okay, it is the Batman. I mean, we we paid twelve bucks to see Batman. Darn it! Don't show me emo Bruce Wayne, especially with Robert Pattinson. Okay, oh, Robert yeah. Pattinson is extra emo as Bruce Wayne. Yeah, he did he did a good job as Batman. Not so Not much so as much. Bruce, because Bruce Wayne he's treating him as a as a broody nineteen year old emo kid. So, we, none of us need that. With Lon's like, you're not my father. Yeah, that was creative as hell. Yeah. You, <laughs> you can tell there were a whole lot of fingers in this pie. Okay? You can see where the detective parts came in. You saw where the emo parts came in. You saw where the social justice parts came in. Most, most of that's probably from Matt Reeves. I've been hearing a lot of talk leading up to the release and even after the release. Not so much after, because uh, what actually got released wasn't didn't really match what people were speculating it would be. There was social justice elements here, okay? But, to be honest, it was more a critique of social justice warriors that I saw than any kind of embracing of those ideas. The Riddler looks like that that glasses-wearing Karen with the little uh, toboggan on her head screaming at the top of her lungs out in the street when she hears Donald Trump got elected back in 2016. Huh. It was meme He He's a dead ringer for her. He's even got the glasses. Uh, cat and woman mouthing off about the white male hierarchy and stuff. That was a throwaway line that just about everybody in the and the white male audience laughed at, but anyway, or scoffed at at least. This movie, not the social justice warrior epic that everybody was afraid it would be. Woke, yeah, you could call it woke, but quite frankly, it was not the focus of the film. The film itself was way too long. The film is three hours, spoilers. Three hours long, you could cut this film back. Okay, honestly. I thought this the day we saw it. I've been thinking about it ever since because we saw it opening weekend. I've been thinking about it ever since. If you take 
you can watch the film right up to the point where the Riddler has been arrested, he's in Arkham, and Batman is on the other side of the glass interrogating him. And Batman basically tells Riddler, nobody knows who you are, you didn't make an impression on anybody, and Riddler starts screaming like Karen in the street. You could have stopped the film there, and you would have had a perfectly serviceable film. Instead, we have to drag on for about another 30, 40 minutes. We have to flood downtown Gotham. For some reason, Gotham is suddenly not rising out of the Gotham River. It's under the Gotham River, just like New Orleans, okay? All of a sudden, this is a thing. So you can see Gotham's underwater. Golly, that's a nice little touch there, Matt. <laughs> Matthew. Uh... By and large, the movie's not bad. It's not, not a waste of time by any stretch. It's entertaining enough. Like I said, stick there until you get to Arkham Asylum. As soon as Riddler starts doing his social justice whale, leave. You don't need anything that comes after that because none of it's worth watching. As, and there are little touches, little social justice touches all, all after doing commentary and stuff. At, at one point, you see, spoilers, you see Batman and Catwoman on motorcycles. Catwoman turns, they come to a, a, a junction in the road. Catwoman turns left and Batman turns right. That was subtle as a brick to the face. <laughs> but, like you said, Chris, it's, it's a good movie. I didn't mind seeing it once. I don't think I could sit through it again. Yeah. I would actually, I would actually like to see... Like to like with Justice League, I would like to see a, a new director's cut, one of the previous directors, cut all of Matt Reeves' crap out and see how much of a film you have left. <laughs> I would love to see that, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. It, so, go ahead. It was like way too long. Like the there was forced love between Batman and Catwoman. It literally felt like it was forced because it was like, I'm brooding. I hate this, I hate that. Ooh, girl. <laughs> like, literally, that's what it was like. Boobies. Yeah. <laughs> Booters. I, I'm not going to say that Catwoman was bad. Because I did love how he used her for the nightclub scene. Also, I really, really enjoyed Penguin. Colin Farrell's Penguin. He literally stole the movie. And Colin he was Farrell usually does. Colin Farrell always steals the steals he was, the scenes. He was hardly in it. But it's like, Robert Pattinson, you know, I know everybody says he's a good actor now, but still not uh, Batman impressive. Um, also, as for the detective thing, I had an issue with because Alfred did all the work. <laughs> Alfred yeah, he, did, the, the, did his homework. Yeah, Alfred did all the intellectual heavy lifting. Alfred was actually the best detective of the bunch, but <coughs> and then there's a there's a bit in there where uh, Bruce Wayne goes to Falcone because he finds something about his dad. Goes to Falcone. Falcone says, "Yeah, your dad's not exactly the goody two shoes like you think he is," and he's like, "No," and then he goes to uh, goes to Alfred. Alfred. And Alfred's like, no, your dad was a good man. And he's like, oh, okay. Like, what the hell? Like, that didn't need to be in the movie at all. The whole fact, actually, anything that dealt with his parents 
did not necessarily need to be in the movie at all. Because that had no... There was no reason for that to be mm -hmm. in the movie. Well, it's... You know, we've talked about this before on a previous episode. Hollywood has daddy issues. Yeah. Very severe daddy issues. And that's why Thomas Wayne always gets shot in the head and Martha Wayne drops the pearls. But it's... It, like, there's some aspects of this movie that I liked. Like, I love, like, the beginning. The whole part of him talking about fear, and he uses fear. And there's this whole montage of, like, the like different bad guys doing different things. And then, like, they look into the darkness. And even though there's nothing in the darkness, they think he's there. And they get freaked out. Like, that whole thing was awesome. Brilliantly well done. I loved it. I really that's, did. I that's, that. that's somebody who understands a character and knows how to write for him. And that, that's a sign of good storytelling. The problem... Okay, I'm, I'm, I do want to make a quick point about a missed opportunity here. and we t I talked about this after we saw the film. Okay, Batman has these little contact lenses that have built-in cameras. Yes. Okay, they have wireless built-in cameras. So... Whatever he's looking at, he can record. Yes. Okay. Winds up putting on Catwoman so that she can, she can go into a nightclub and get evidence for him and stuff and using her, her yeah. little contact lenses. Okay. A missed opportunity. Okay. In the comic books, Batman's eyes are always white. You don't see the pupils. You don't see the iris. He is white because that is part of the mystique of the Batman. Nobody knows who he is. He's this spooky, mythical figure of the night. Why couldn't you make the uh, contact lenses opaque? Make them opaque and white so you can still see through them because it's a one-way thing. Just like Spider-Man's lenses, it's a one-way, basically a one-way glass so you can see out and it doesn't interfere with anything. But now suddenly Batman looks like friggin' Batman. Okay, you're not seeing the eyes. And if you actually pay attention to the eyes through the movie like I did, because it distracted the heck out of me once I saw those little uh, contact lenses, I was like, turn it! That was a missed opportunity. <laughs> but you can tell every single one of these, you can tell Batman goes through about a gallon of Visine about an hour. Because his yeah. eyes are like Oxidol white. They're whiter than white. So that way his his dark eyes stand out and stuff more. But if you had just used opaque contact lenses, then then you could have had Batman without the pupils and suddenly he seems a lot more mysterious and stuff, which would have been a fantastic effect for the movie and I think would have would have gone over really well with audiences. But what do I know? I'm I'm I mean, no, I mean, yeah. I, I definitely hear what you're saying on that one. Um <laughs> if you can't over all these idiots without the mufflers <laughs> I know it's like it's just funny how like okay we could probably do this because you know there's no traffic but then I was like oh yeah it's it's 12 o'clock which means people are out of church and going to get food and sh so <laughs> yeah but anyway um, uh, something else that really did bother me well actually there's two things that bother me the dialogue Again, we uh, already said, like, you know, Bruce Wayne going, like, you're not my father. And then you have, like, <laughs> there's this part in the movie where him and uh, Gordon works t 
together a whole lot throughout the movie. And there's this part where they find like a, a thumb drive and all that stuff. And when he shows Gordon the thumb drive, Gordon's like, oh my god. And it's like, what the heck? Like, <laughs> and then, <laughs> then there's this other scene where like Batman is in like the, the police station and Gordon just walks up to him and goes like, gotta get you out of here. Like, what the f*** is going on here? Like, Alright. Right, well, one thing, you did know why they referred to it as a thumb drive, right? Yeah. Because, okay, yeah. because you needed the victim's thumb in order to unlock the contents of the thumb drive. Yeah. Because it, it, yeah. That was a nice little touch. It I like just, that. It's just his reaction to it. Like, oh my god. <laughs> His his oh my god reaction to it was because they couldn't they couldn't figure out how to actually get onto the files on the USB. It wasn't until Batman pointed out it was a thumb drive and pulled the victim's thumb out that this, which was cut off by the way, so that you would have easy the you'd have easy access to it. But anyway, so um, yeah, I, the dialogue can be a little hokey sometimes. Also, something else that bothered me was I know Gotham's supposed to be like this hell basically but there's trash everywhere like everywhere there's an elevator that Batman and and all pretty much everybody uses in the movie and there's trash bags on the elevator and I'm like how are these people even surviving like there's trash on the streets there's trash on the elevator how is there trash on the elevator that's what. That's part of the reason why I didn't think this, this was such a woke movie. I mean, honestly, this is a critique of Democrat policies, if you want to get political about it, because it's Democrat cities over the past couple of years that are catching fire, that are have homeless problems, that have trash piling up in the streets and stuff. So I figure part of that, Matt Reeves is probably not the most woke uh, director in Hollywood, but you can tell... He was making points in there. But, it was, it yeah. was, I was like, wow. So, all right, let's 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 wrap this because we already spent 25 minutes on this. Uh, okay. About 20 minutes if you include all the the loud mufflers. But anyway, the... Uh, <laughs> so, on a scale of one to five, the geeking out one to five, where five, you would pay full price to watch this on a Saturday night with a date, and one, you might catch it for free on Pluto TV if you happen to trip over it. Where would you give this, Chris? If you had a nice big screen TV at your house with a surround sound, and you can sit on the couch and watch it, that I will choose. So you would wait for it to come out on Blu-ray or 4K or something yes, like that? Yes, because you do not want to spend three hours in the theater watching this movie. Because it's not one of those that it's like, oh, it seems like time goes by so fast. It's just kind of annoying because of the seats. Hmm. We had trouble walking out of there. That <laughs> yeah, at, on a scale of one to five, I would give Batman a three. So I would... I would probably get it on, like, DVD or Blu-ray, but uh, it would be one of those things I would watch every once in a long while. I definitely wouldn't go back into a theater to see it. I don't, I don't need 
need to see it that bad, but I would like to have it in the library just because yeah. it, it actually was a decent movie. Plus, then I could stop at the Arkham scene and then move on with my life. But anyway, yeah. Chris, did you see Turning Red? Yes. You finally saw Turning Red? Yes. Okay. How much of Turning Red did you make it through? I watched it all. You watched it all because you're glutton for punishment. It was right. a painful process. I watched it because I was actually seeing people saying good things about it. Mm -hmm. But now I'm starting to wonder if they were just paid. <laughs> Disney wouldn't do that. They don't pay anybody. I, I also watched it because it's a Pixar movie and I have not missed not one Pixar movie. Mm -hmm. This did not seem like a Pixar movie at all. Like, even the artwork. Somebody said that this movie was better than Encanto. And I was like, really? Then how come I'm not hearing a lot of people talk about this movie like I do Encanto? This movie sucked balls. Probably the <laughs> worst. It's literally probably the worst Pixar movie I have ever seen. Mm, it's even worse that. than Cars 3. Okay, go ahead and ju justify your hate. This movie is just about a girl who has, who is like literally growing up. So she has all these hormones. She, there's, there's a, a guy in school she ends up sweating over. There's a boy band that she sweats over. There's a guy that works in a, uh... Uh, some type of store that she sweats over and she's basically just going through puberty that's all it is she's going through puberty and that's what this movie's basically about okay she has a group of friends who are just weird as shit you got the tomboy girl who I actually thought was going to end up being a lesbian but she's not you got one who just does this like talks like a robot because she's like awkward and then you have this one who's really feisty and she's like yeah ooh, ah, eh, you know type of I don't know what the hell I just did but <laughs> something like that so you got these friends uh, she she uh, basically has this really her mom is very over -lo loving she watches her every move. She doesn't like boys. She doesn't want her daughter to... She doesn't even like her daughter's friends. It's like, very like, I love you, but you need to do this, this, this. Basically, whatever it is I say. So it's basically mommy issues there. Um, she starts turning into this big red panda... Because of, honestly, I can't even remember. She's just going through puberty. That's basically all it is. That's what the Red Panda is. She wants to be different. She wants to be feisty. I'm telling all the bad things because there is no good things in this movie. Um, the music is terrible. Because the, there's, a, there's no singing except for the boy band. And the boy band has this song... And it just sucks. Um, <laughs> there is... I heard people cried about this, you know, at the end of this movie because it's a Pixar movie. There is nothing there to cry about. It's just like... 
Mom, you gotta let me be my own thing. But I can't. I love you. And then, like, that's literally the 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 thing. That's it. That's and the it's, it's like, yeah. oh wow, yeah, okay. Um, the artwork, as I said, it doesn't seem like it's a Pixar movie. What's really weird about the artwork is the city, all the background, even the characters, the colors of them was like blended. It's like they like it's a painting that set in the sun too long. Like the color faded. Mm -hmm. So all the color schemes in the movie was faded except for her. And I don't know, usually the people don't do that unless they're trying to tell something. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what they're trying to say here. Because, like, she's the only one that is more colorful than everything else around her. And I just don't know exactly why. Like, she's more bright. So, there's something... I know they're trying to say something. I just don't know what it is. Really don't give a shit. Um, there, as for the lesbian aspect of it, there is a scene where the one that I said talks like a robot. You know, she's just, like, moody. There's a scene where they're at a party and there's this goth girl and they start dancing together and the two main characters like do this, see them dancing and do this elbow bump like he 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 he, you know, like, okay, but that doesn't go nowhere and it doesn't, it's, I, I don't understand that because the, 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 the girl has a thing for one of the boys in the boy band. So it's like, so you're just including that there is a fact that this person might actually be a lesbian, but also not. I don't know what you're trying to do here. The boy in school that the main character has a crush on, he shows up once and disappears. And it's like, well, what the hell was that all about? Why show this person if it's not going to be mentioned or go anywhere? There was a lot about this movie that was like, I don't recommend it. If you want to watch it, go ahead. This is more of one of those movies that maybe a 10-year-old girl would actually watch. I saw a comment that said, I'm not going to watch this movie because it's made for girls. And I was like, wow, man. You know, there's Tangled is pretty much a girl movie, but I love Tangled. You know, stuff like that. But watching this movie, yeah, this has female, very young female all written all over it. Like, this was just made for little girls who I wouldn't consider lost. Just, they just want to see a big red panda. Confused. <laughs> I don't know what to call it. But, yeah, I don't recommend it. That movie sucked, guys. Okay. Worst one I've ever seen. Okay. Are you done? Yes. Are you done? Yes. You're done. Yes. yes. What a difference John Lasseter makes, huh? John Lasseter was the guy who helped Steve... It was John Lasseter who helped establish Pixar as an animation studio. He was the, John Lasseter was the guy who convinced Steve Jobs that Pixar could be an animation studio. And it can. They did a good job. And he did a very good job. John Lasseter's not there anymore because he was huggy. He was oh, huggy. Yeah, he liked right. to hug that's girls. Right. That's he, right. he was touchy-feely. He was huggy. He was all this other stuff. So he's got to go, I believe. He's now at Skydance Entertainment over at 20th, uh, not 20th Century. He's at uh, Universal, I think. 
He's with Skydance Entertainment, and I believe Brad Bird just joined him over there. Brad Bird was the guy responsible for The Incredibles and a bunch of other yeah. stuff. So all your visionaries are now gone from Pixar. Okay. And what you get is Turning Red. Now, Turning Red... Good Lord. All right. <laughs> your, Uncle Juju, your Uncle Juju is a frustrated storyteller, right? Because your Uncle Juju just... He's, he's mentally constipated when it comes to storytelling. He just cannot squeeze it out. <laughs> okay. I, I have pinched loafs with better storylines than this one. This is an allegory about a girl's first period. Let's just go ahead. Spoiler alert. That's what it's about. It's about a 13-year-old exactly. girl having her first period. And you can tell this was going to be a dumpster fire from the beginning because, first of all, Disney put this on Disney+. Plus. Right. Understand something, okay? Animated films are expensive AF to make, okay? Even CGI ones, especially Pixar. Because Pixar, Pixar uses its own proprietary computer systems. They have their very own software that they use for anim CGI animation. Pretty much one of the standard animation uh, software packages on the market, okay? That's Pixar. There's a lot of legacy cost. It costs Disney, which basically now owns Pixar, a fortune to make this film, and yet they pushed... Just like they did with uh, Luca, they pushed this out on Disney Plus. I gotta say something about Luca too. The reason, and Pixar was upset that this didn't get a theatrical release, okay? Because if this had gotten a theatrical release, I honestly think it would have done far more damage to the Pixar brand, okay? I've got to give Disney credit. This should not have been... Honestly, this should not have been released on Disney+. Plus. This is... God, I don't want to be one of those jerk critics who sits there and makes some kind of sexual innuendo, but this is a mental circle jerk on the part of Pixar storytelling. Okay? Somebody at Pixar got a, got a rag up their coochie and decided we need to do an entire movie about a girl having her first period and we're going to make it metaphorical by turning her into a large red panda because, you know, when you're on your period, they're swelling, you're retaining water, so you balloon up, and, of course, there's blood involved, so you're turning red, and so all this other boo-foo-foo. And, of course, let's not get started on the pubic hairs. That's why it's big and furry. Oh my God, stop sexualizing 13-year-olds, okay? I, I actually tweeted this out. Stop grooming underage children, you a-holes. This movie... Okay, now first of all, let's leave all the, the biological stuff out, okay? This is supposed to be a coming-of-age film. Compa all right, we're going to call this a coming-of-age film. Let's look at another coming-of-age film. Let's look at all four Toy Stories. Okay, Toy Story 1 is about Woody, which is already a, a loaded term there when we're talking about this. Woody the cowboy having to get used to uh, the new hot thing of Buzz Lightyear showing up. And Buzz, by the way, is going to be Gay Mackin in his new movie, 
because we've just got to tread everything under the church of the holy a-hole of Hollywood, okay? Hollywood's new church just worships the anus like nobody's business. Can I just go ahead and, and throw that out there, okay? Yeah, it's going to be one of those podcasts. That's going to get this video thrown off of YouTube. Somebody's going to report it. Even though we only have three people watching these videos on YouTube, there's you and me checking to make sure it posted properly, and then one other person that's watching it. Which, and that person's probably going to report us for, for the Church of the Holy Avon. I don't know that other person. But anyway, apparently somebody's watching us on Facebook, but we'll see. Uh, so Toy Story 1, coming of age, Andy is young. He's like eight. And Woody has to learn how to share. Okay. Toy Story 2, Andy's getting older. The toys are winding up with the little sister. We get Toy Story 3. Andy's too old for his toys, so he's come of age. The sister's too old for the toys, so they wind up at a daycare center. And they have to adjust to life being basically a life of abuse. And then we get to Toy Story 4, where Woody finally grows the F up and learns to go his own way. He doesn't have to be somebody else's plaything. He can determine his own fate. So all four Toy Story films are about Woody's coming of age. Not Andy, Woody. Not even Buzz, Woody. Okay? Because we start with a very infantile view of life, and then in, by the end of Toy Story 4, he's grown up, and Woody is off making a life with Bo Peep and, and pursuing his own destiny. Okay? Compare that to... Hold on, some uh, asshole. Are you done? You done? Okay, he's done. I need to... There he goes. Now he's gone away. I'll edit that out later. Anyway, or maybe I won't. Maybe I'll just leave it in because, you know what? We're already talking about a-holes, so let's yeah, just go that's, ahead. That was We're already hard. talking about a-holes and bleeding, so let's just <laughs> go ahead. Toy Story in four films, okay, does a better does a better coming-of-age arc, which you didn't even notice until I pointed it out. Sure. That's fine. That's fine. And there's nothing wrong with that. Most people don't see it that way until it's pointed to them, and they're like, oh, my goodness. Be like Commissioner Gordon, like, oh, my God, a thumb drive? A thumb drive. (laughs) Anyway, so I point out the thumb drive. This is a film of coming-of-age stories, okay? This is, this, that's what the entire film is about, and they blow it completely. Just completely blew it. The girl's trying to be everything to everybody, okay? She is, she's a classic overachiever. Asian, of course, because Asians always overachieve. So we're reinforcing stereotypes right, right from the get-go. Works in an Asian-American temple, okay? So we're just reinforcing stereotypes left and right, just like, just like these quote storytellers do. They reinforce stereotypes by trying to enforce their own stereotypes. Now, so we get through all the dreck about her, her background, her friends who. You've got one friend who actually has some character, and like you mentioned, the two others are throwaway characters. They didn't even need to be there. No, yeah. You could have made this film about May, the main character. We haven't even mentioned her name yet. 
May, the main character, yeah. her friend who, who I can't think of, and her mom. Okay? Yeah. So you've got these three characters. There's your three. Okay? One of the core storytelling uh, techniques is you've got three. You'll have a group of three. You'll have the, you'll have the protagonist. You'll have the best friend, and you'll have the parental figure. Yeah. Okay? It's classic. I mean, Kirk, Spock, McCoy. Okay? You got, <laughs> you got Kirk as the super ego. You've got uh, Spock as the... Well, you've got Kirk basically as the ego. Spock is the super ego, and McCoy is the id. So you've got May is basically, May is basically your, your ego here. Mom is super ego because she's the one controlling and the friend is the id, okay? You could have made it about those three, and you could have told a better story by focusing on those three. You focused on the wrong characters. There's a movie that came out back in the 90s called Now and Then. Remember that one? Mm -hmm. About a group of girls, coming-of-age movie. They did it pretty good. They did a lot better than this one. Oh, way better now, than this one. Now, while we're saying, while we're saying that, like you said, now and then was a better coming of age movie. The Stand by Me was a better oh, coming yeah. of age movie Stand than this me. one. Yeah. Hey, guess what? What? Pixar has a long, long history of ripping off other people's ideas. Yes. They they come by it honest. That's why they went with Disney because Disney has a long, long history of ripping off other people's ideas. Lion King, the White Lion. But anyway. Look those two up and, and wait for the uh, cease and desist from Disney. But anyway, <laughs> a point being, so many missed opportunities because you don't have the storytelling talent that you used to have. You just have, you have the touchy-feeliness part that John Lasseter established, and so it became a part of the formula at Pixar. And like I said, Pixar's done coming of age before. They've done it a lot better than this. But without John Lasseter there to to provide focus, without the the storytelling talent of a Brad Bird, what you wind up with is a nice big steaming pile of red panda poo that is turning red. Give it what were you gonna say before we do the one to five? I am going to say something that is going to drive you insane because you have already talked about sexualizing and stuff like Please that. Please stop sexualizing children. Thank you. There is something... I read that parents were really angry about this movie. And I always assumed, and I think we talked about it once before, that it was because it was about a period, you know. Mm -hmm. No, 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 no. That's not what it was about. No, oh. That's not why they are upset. Go ahead, and, go ahead and finish explaining what you've heard. Though. There's a couple of things in this movie that I was literally felt very uncomfortable because I was like, what the... There is one scene where... The, 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 I already said that there was a guy that they had a crush on that worked at a store, mm -hmm. right? Well, this time, she saw him and it felt different. So she went to her room... Got on bed and her she started to sweat and I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. And instead she was like drawing like pictures of like him, uh, him and her and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, I thought it was insinuating that she was, you know. But then 
there is a scene at the end of the movie when she's confronting her mom. She's like, I love this. I love that. And she says, I love vibrating. And I'm like, yeah, let's let's be a little. <laughs> let's be a little. Can we be just a little less subtle? <laughs> I was honestly like, uh, okay. Honestly, that word? honestly, this film should have at least been PG thirteen, if not R. I actually, if it was up to me, if I was on the MPAA, I would have given this film an R, and I would have dared Pixar to challenge me on it, because this is a sophomoric attempt, okay? This is what a bunch of teenage... This is what a bunch of teenage boys would come up with if they had to write a, if they had to write a movie about a girl having her first period. Uh, okay, I'm not going to lie. The girl I work with, when I was telling her about all this, she's like, was this directed by a guy... Because it seems like that this is like what they would think that a girl's... And then we looked it up and it was not. It was by two or three women. It was by two or three and, women. And but I, they... Uh, they, so, oh. <laughs> they su there are women out there who suffer. I'm not going to say they suffer from penis envy, but they're trying to show they can be just as much of an a-hole as a guy can ever be. Yeah. They think that's what makes them equal. And that's part of the problem here. Like I said, if John Lasseter were there, John Lasseter would have put a stop to that in pre-production. He would, John, let me, let me explain. I know enough about John Lasseter, okay? I've seen, I don't know John Lasseter from Adam, okay? But I've seen the background. I've seen the making of. I've seen enough of John Lasseter. I understand, I think I understand his concept a little more. When you produce a, an animated movie, you start out basically by, with a comic book, okay? Basically, you start out, you take a big empty wall, you start sketching out things onto note cards along with story beats, and you just make an entire wall full of story beats and extremes on the, on the art and stuff to give people an idea of what the story you're telling. Turning Red would have, been, would have put that on the wall and John Laster would have come in, he would have read it, he would have listened to it, he'd have torn every single one off the wall and said, start over. You will not make this film. Th now, before I, before I wrap this, let me say, he also would, he probably would not have approved of the art style just because it is so amateurish. This is a non-anime fan's idea of what anime looks like, okay? The big eyes, the bug eyes, the jelly bean mouths. Yeah, what does it like? It doesn't that, seem like that, it's Pixar at all. I was just like, it's not Pixar. It, it's Pix. It's somebody at Pixar's idea of what anime is supposed to look like. Go check your phone. Your, no, I'm his phone's screaming at the background. Okay. <laughs> but this is uh, honestly this, this is somebody's. It, this is almost a farce. It's almost like a like a a Mad Magazine level satire of what anime would look like, and and the hilarious part is anime is not Chinese; it's Japanese. But all these references are Chinese things. I guess they thought this would this would sell in China or something. This wouldn't get. I don't think uh, China would let this in their borders. This is. 
This is supposed to be about like Chinese traditions and Chinese customs and all this other stuff. China wouldn't let this in through the, wouldn't even let this in the country. There was very little of that in this movie, obviously. Yeah. But uh, that's where, it, like I said, it's almost a parody. This is almost like Mad Magazine doing a parody of, uh, of some kind of anime yeah. or manga thing. It, it was. It, was it, it will appeal. It will appeal to people who are looking for quote edgy content end quote. And I mean, that's that's what I call it quote edgy end quote content. Now, when I first tried to watch this movie, I decided to watch Luca instead. Mm -hmm. I laughed my butt off at Luca. Luca was really really funny. Like. And it was kind of interesting, but they also had the big eyes and the, yes. you know, but it was, it was, it was more funnier and more entertaining, way better than turning red, just saying. We didn't come here to, to praise turning red, we came here to bury it, so, <laughs> kind of like a turd in a litter box, so, speaking of that, one to five, Chris, what would you give turning red? Total zero. You give it a zero. I would give it, uh, I'm hesitant to give it a zero because I think you should watch it. You, you, you really need to have a bad day and then watch this film. And that, that way you'll get, you'll be right in the mood of the people who created this film. Because this is derivative. They think they're making a salient point. They think they're being edgy and look, oh, how cool we are. Even teenage girls, I think, would, would take one look at this film. They might sit all the way through it, but they would never see it again. So, at best, this would be a one. One of those, see it once and never want to see it again. But, yeah, with you, I'm, I wouldn't give it a zero, but I'd give it like a 0 0.001. <laughs> I, I think wow. I think you should see this just so you can see how not to tell a story. So... I agree. I so, agree. I agree. So that takes that buries, and I I already know exactly what picture I'm going to put up on the video of our turning red <laughs> oh, review. No. It's oh, going to no. be a going to be a big old box of tam packs with turning with the red panda right on the cover. Or better yet, it'll be an open box of tam packs, <laughs> and it'll have a bunch of little turning red panda heads on. Oh, top. that well so, done. I like that. <laughs> basically because if I tried putting up a cigarette with the red panda as the lit end I'd be thrown off YouTube so <laughs> so that takes care of that uh, Chris have we got any newsish stuff we need to talk about or? oh yeah let's, yeah let's run through this quickly because our our podcast is our podcast session is already an hour long I start getting a little antsy by this point alright we'll go, we'll go quick uh, do it quick <coughs> what do we got what happened Robert England, you know, better known as Freddy. Freddy. Not uh, Five Nights at Freddy either, Freddy Krueger. Yeah. Five Nights at Freddy Krueger would be awesome, though. But Freddy <laughs> Krueger and Five Nights at Freddy, I would, take, really I would take that bet. Uh, Robert England talked about that there, used to, that there was an idea for a movie called Freddy vs. Jason vs. Ash. <laughs> but the director <laughs> had that would issues. Be, that would be way too awesome to exist. The director had issues no, fully. because Freddy 
apparently, like he said that he didn't want Freddy to die again like he did in the other movie. So, because of that, there was an issue. But Robert England said that he pictured the poster in his head where it had Ash standing there with wind blowing his hair back, his <laughs> chest showing, and it had Jason in one headlock and Freddy in another. So... <laughs> I could see that too, but he'd have, he'd have to have a chainsaw. He has a he has a chainsaw in his right hand. Yeah, it's his right hand that's cut off, right? Ash. Uh, I'm trying to think. I can't remember which one Ash has. I think it's his right hand. Yeah, I think it is. So you'd have so basically you'd have Jason there, sitting there helpless with the holding the machete and he can't do anything with it, and then with the big old chainsaw right there. And then he'd have Freddy on the other hand, and what would he have? Like a giant pitchfork or something to go know. with the knives on his hand? <laughs> so he, and, it, it was, and it would be Bruce Campbell's big old chin sitting there with the, the packs and everything. <laughs> and it'd be Freddy versus Jason versus Ash tossed salad. That would be, that would be fun. I would have, yeah, I would have paid for that. And... God bless the fanboys. They ruin everything. He because did. where in the continuity would that be, right? He did say that Sam Raimi... Sam Raimi would oh, probably orgasm over seeing this idea. Sam Raimi was actually on board to help to make this movie, but yeah. it was the other director that yeah, had the issues. Yeah, the little pansy. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. That was, that was actually what a thing. Too, far too cool to exist. I know. It would have been so cool. It would have TCE. Been so cool. <laughs> that's, that's what that's called, TCE. Anyway, what uh, do you got, Chris? Christopher Lloyd will be joining the Mandalorian season. I saw three. that, and I, 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 just, I was just all over that on Twitter because I, I, I sat there, and I had to think for a second, like, wait a minute. Christopher Lloyd in, in a Star Wars. Hmm. 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 <laughs> And and it's the, he's going to be on the Mandalorian, right? Yep. Which means he's going to be working with Favreau and Filoni. Yep. The two guys who know what they're actually doing in Star yep. Wars, right? Yay! <laughs> Yay! Um, Happy just... for me. I'm still living with the crushing disappointment that the little Debbie ice cream launch never actually happened at Walmart. I was so upset about that. It's been it's been over a month since we reported that. Still have not seen a drop of that ice cream. At any of 15 Walmarts I've been in, and in the course of my job over the last month, that is just sad. That is sad, but sad. this gives this this gives me the happies. I'm happy with that. So I'm there. I'm down with it. Me my, too. My only question is, what in the world would he play? I don't know. What character would he? I don't know, but either which way, I'm going to enjoy my ass for with this. <laughs> it's going to be great. Um, you remember a show called Early Edition? Yes, I remember early edition. That was actually a decent idea. I love that show. That was actually a decent idea. It was it was kind of like Quantum Leap on its head, because early edition never got any love from streaming. It never really got any got much love in syndication or anything. But it was a unique. It was a really cool concept. A guy would get up and his headline, his newspaper. Yes, they actually delivered newspapers back by then. By a cat. By a cat. <laughs> The newspaper would be for the next day and have a headline of some disaster he would have to head off. and he, So he would basically have no more than 24 hours to head it off. It would happen sometime that day. He would have to try to stop it. 
which is an awesome idea. It's kind of like Quantum Leap and Sliders by way of uh, the Gutenberg Press. So, pretty neat idea. So anyway, what are they doing with early edition? How are they going to ruin early edition? Well, they're rebooting it with uh, actress Elisa Eve. Now, a lot of people don't know who Elisa Eve is. Like me. I honestly don't know either. The only, <laughs> the only, the only movie I remember her from was she was in. I think it was the second Star Trek movie, the the newer ones, the J.J. Abrams. Oh God! Movie. I think it was the second one, or it may have been the third one. I don't know, but she's in one of those. But yeah, she's going to be uh, in it, and that's all I got for that. Yawn. Okay. So. So at least a so at least a boob lift there. I'm not sure who she is. So I'm, that's all I'm going to go is boob lift. Go ahead. Well, I, I, I guarantee you, if you looked her up on about the Star Trek, it's easy to find her because she's the only one in the movie franchise that had this awkward scene where she had to take her shirt off and she's in her bra with Captain Kirk going like over. You know, oh, she's not over the one playing Uhura, is she? No, that's like Uhura was Zoe's. Uhura was into Spock for some insane reason, which is just not done. <laughs> JJ, um, I should have known you were you were worthless, JJ. It was Carlton Cuse who it was Carlton Cuse who made Lost. I actually sat down and watched the Adventures of Briscoe County Junior yesterday, the first episode, with Carlton Carlton Cuse as executive producer. And Bruce Campbell leading with his chin. Oh my goodness! I'm, <laughs> that that had more awesome in it, and that's a thirty-year-old Fox Ooh. series that had more awesome in it than all the Hollywood blockbusters so far this year. So go ahead. <laughs> what else happened? Um, Sean Levy, director writer, will be directing Deadpool three. He did Free Guy. He did. He's uh, there's a new movie on Netflix. Uh, with Ryan Reynolds and uh, the Incredible Hulk dude. Uh, shit, what was his name? Mark Ruffalo. Mark Ruffalo. Called The Adam Project, which I did watch. I did enjoy it. It was pretty good. He will be uh, doing Deadpool 3 and is also, he wants to see if he can get Hugh Jackman to, <laughs> to, be to probably be make a, a, a fearing row in the movie. And due to the fact that there's been this long time running of Ryan and, and Hugh Jackman just kind of like, not butting heads, but joking with each other. Missing me, because that's what everybody yeah. wanted to see. They wanted to see Deadpool right now is the face of the X-Men franchise, sadly yeah. enough. And next to Hugh Jackman. So it's always... The same thing in the comics. It, everybody thinks of X-Men, it's either Deadpool or it's Wolverine. Yeah, and it's so, usually Wolverine. But And knowing Deadpool, they could probably pull this off without Hugh Jackman actually coming back as Wolverine. Because, I mean, if you remember you in the second one, at the end, he was playing with Tom and he went and just killed his... The Deadpool in the Wolverine movie mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And, you know, so it's... <laughs> the other thing, too, is that in all the Deadpool comics, and, and Marvel was notorious for this in the 90s and the 2000s, Wolverine was on pretty much every cover. 
And so it was always dead in the Deadpool comics. It was usually Deadpool screwing with Wolverine yeah. if the if the editors required him to have Wolverine. It was always Deadpool screwing with him one way or the other. <laughs> and Which then it should be. <laughs> so I can imagine if if they can get Hugh Jackman in in Deadpool three, it'll be a ten second appearance, but he'll be featured very very oh, very yeah. prominently on the Deadpool three movie posters. Just to dick with everybody. <laughs> It'd be great. Just like Deadpool always did back in the day. So, um, In other news, yep. building wraps on the Weird Al story with Daniel Radcliffe playing Weird Al. I'm actually intrigued on, on seeing this one. I, I would actually like to see this just to see Dr. Demento get some play. Oh, I, please tell me Dr. Demento is going to be in this... And tell me Al Yankovic's going to be playing Dr. Demento. That would be hilarious <laughs> on so many levels. That would be that, that would justify the making of the movie. I would actually tolerate Daniel Radcliffe for that. Because Daniel Radcliffe, for, for those, those of you like me who wish they didn't know, Daniel Radcliffe used to be Harry Potter, right? Yeah. Okay. So I actually got that one right. And yeah. i got to admit, over the years, Daniel has literally grown on me because he... He can actually do a, a whole lot of comedy and make fun of himself. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, okay, you know, this guy, this guy's pretty cool. Because there's like a show on television called uh, something about like, well, the first season was about God and and the next season was about uh, uh, the Oregon Trail. Uh, I don't know, but mm -hmm. anyway. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> I just brought that to a screeching note. Daniel Radcliffe is part of that generation. Hollywood tried so hard to stereotype him, and he just would not have it. Yes. And and the best part about modern Hollywood, it's really hard to stereotype somebody because they can always go on YouTube and dick around with everybody. <laughs> yeah. So and Daniel Radcliffe is one of the first to manage to do that. So, um, also. We talked about how Rob Zombie is doing the Monsters movie. Yeah. And I feared it because Rob Zombie only knows how to do horror stuff. Yeah. Right? Rob Zombie can't even <sighs> play a musical instrument halfway yeah. decently. I never thought he was that impressive as a as a horror guy. The Monsters is a comedic take on the classic Universal Monster yeah. set. Because it, it's actually a universal property. But go ahead. Well, it was released that the, the monsters have already been rated, and it will be rated PG. This is going to be... Remember what uh, Spy Kids was for Robert Rodriguez? Yeah. Robert Rodriguez made his cut his teeth with, like, grindhouse flicks and that all these true. really things. I never things. thought about that, and, yeah. and then... But then he got he had kids, so he had this the the touchy feelies and and created spy kids and stuff, and it wasn't until years later that we got the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers writing KitchenAid appliances and the Book of Boba Fett from him, <laughs> so it's uh, so this is this would probably be Rob Zombie's spy kids i'd imagine it might work it could I'm it could excited. work because you never know if they already have elvira going to be in it so <laughs> uh, well there went any hope i would have had for that <laughs> all right now on to some really big news because honestly before we let this before we let this go i was going to say let this bone go but the elvira is not <laughs> to be honest i'll take sven Gulli any day of the week over elvira 
So if you were to get Sven Gulli, actually, I think he's in the movie too. I hope so because that might counteract the Elvira thing. But get Sven Gulli in there and have him live next door at thirteen fifteen Mockingbird Berwin. Berwin, but anyway. Um, so some big news happened. Uh, uh, DC decided to change everything. <laughs> I get. Wait a minute. Let me do the Rocky voice. I did. <laughs> they pushed a bunch of movies uh, back on the schedule and pulled some forward. So here is the release dates of these movies. Mm-hmm. Shazam Two, uh, something of the gods, will be released. December 12th, 2022. Huh. So Shazam 2 has been moved up to this year. Okay. Uh, Super Pets will be released July 29th. That one actually may not be that bad because that I seems know, like one of those... Right? That seems like such an idiotic idea, but Guardians of the Galaxy was an idiotic idea and they pulled it off. So this might, this just might be goofy enough to work. Have you seen the trailer of Batman and, uh, uh, I and forgot what the Ace dogs. the Bat Hound? Yeah. yeah. That's, was, like, that's a real was, shame. I know hilarious. these characters. That was hilarious. I'm waiting to see if Beppo the Super Monkey turns up. <laughs> um, anyway, Super Pets comes out July 29th. Black Adam uh-huh. comes out October 21st of this year. Now, that one I would actually like to see, and I think that would be an awesome... That's actually... Hold on. Meta, having that released just before Halloween is going to be meta as hell because that is that has such potential to... I mean, Black Adam technically is a villain, so this is going to be a story about an anti-villain. True. Now, True. now here's another thing. Here's another thing. Hollywood... For all the talk about anti-heroes and stuff over the years, the one thing they haven't explored is the anti-villain. Black Adam it could could be the codifier for anti-villains in Hollywood, where you do movies about villains, but they're noble villains. True. If, and Marvel, again, just like Pixar and Disney, they're good at ripping other people off, Black Adam is going to give rise to a Doctor Doom movie sometime in the next year or two. Guarantee it. Which I would actually wouldn't mind seeing. But anyway. So um, anyway, so Black Adam's going to come out October 21st. Um, yeah. Let's let's clear that on for the now. schedule. For I need now. to for <laughs> now. Let's clear that on the schedule. I need to see that because just because that is going to be so heavily flavored with JSA stuff. I had I never actually got around to watching Stargirl season two because I'm I'm so tired of what they did to the JSA, and I wanted to like it because it's Jeff Johns and I love Jeff Johns and I would, and of course I would read tea leaves written by Jeff Johns, but I just couldn't take couldn't take Stargirl season two. I just couldn't get into it. Same thing with Superman and Lois season two. I I just never got back into it because the CW has chased me off. The CW is. The CW is TV cancer right now. It is. I, I just want nothing to do with it. So I will wait until it turns up somewhere else. I won't see it on HBO Max either. But if I can, maybe I'll watch it on the CW app one of these days. But that also means I have to deal with a bunch of CW ads, which I don't need that in my life. <laughs> so what What else was, 
was DC um, sh DC shuffling the the deck chairs on the Titanic right now. So Aquaman two apparently was supposed to come out in December, but it's been pushed back to March seventeenth of twenty three. December of twenty of twenty twenty two or December twenty twenty one. It was. Uh, Do you know? December of this year, twenty twenty two, but it's been pushed back to March of next year. That sounds like. Uh, that sounds like they're trying to angle that more for away from the the blockbuster schedule, which is probably good. Aquaman doesn't need to be slugging it out. And then the Flash movie. <clears throat> It's going to be coming out June 23rd of 2023. So now, wait a minute. You've got... Ooh, we've got movies coming out about every two or three months then. Mm -hmm. And we, we have been in a DC drought here lately. I think what they're trying to do is just catch up. I think Warner is trying to retrench right now because where they... they AT&T jettisoned their butts and forced them into a merger with Discovery Media. And uh, uh, okay. so that I think that's what might be happening there. Now, it did come out here in the last, couple, last week or so. DC got kicked out of the Warner Media headquarters, and I think it's Discovery wanting to divest of them. DC made this huge deal a couple of years ago. They they moved from New York to to Hollywood because DC was going to be this big Hollywood thing, and so they set up Coast at Warner Brothers Studios, like two doors down from the Warner Brothers and the Warner sister Dot over at Warner See over at Warner Media, and <laughs> and they've been kicked out. They the DC publishing arm had to find new digs somewhere else. They they got kicked out because they wanted that space for, I guess, for some of the Discovery guys. And from what I've heard, Image Comics went through the same thing. They had to give up their digs for less expensive huh. headlines, which is weird because Image has been eating DC and DC's lunch for quite a while now. But, but I guess Image is... The comic book industry right now is imploding because they're all involved in the church of the Holy Coochie. So, <laughs> the church of social justice. If DC so. ever, like, loses Warner Brothers and they're up for sale, what do you say me and you put up everything we got <laughs> and buy their... Honestly, <laughs> I honestly think... Now, hold on a minute. I, I honestly think... That if we were to get a Kickstarter from hell started, the DC fans would probably come together and we might be able to make a... The DC Nation might be able to come together and, and at least make an effort to try to buy DC Comics. But odds are it's... Excuse me. Odds are it's going to be... It's going to wind up being owned by some Chinese firm or something. I honestly think that's the way it'll turn out. It'll be some Chinese firm looking to buy an American property, and then, and then Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman are just lost, and the rest of the Justice League, for that matter, because it wasn't that long ago they were talking about killing off the entire Justice League. Whether they actually pulled that off or not, I don't know, because I haven't actually read a DC comic in the last two years. DC's homeless, Image is homeless, Marvel is just homely. <laughs> I think what DC is doing, though. When it comes to the movies, I think they're doing a smart play here.
because I don't know how many times we have talked about how Marvel, with their new phase going in... Phase 4. It's kind it of is not... sucking wind. Exactly. It is sucking so much ass and, right now. And and we kind of saw this coming because they got rid of their biggest, you know, their big players. So now they're starting with a bunch of newbies that hasn't really hit home or the magic like the old did. So DC seeing this and be like, hey, this is our time. Yeah. <laughs> like, let's do this. <laughs> it, it It's a tale as old as time. It's Beauty and the Beast. Marvel's been the beauty right up until Phase 4 started, which ironically is female-centric. DC has been sucking wind except for the Batman franchise, which is the oh. only thing that's been paying their bills for all this time. If DC can find the stones to stand up and actually put out traditional con superhero content... They can eat Marvel and Disney's lunch for the next decade. Yeah, because they're weak right now. Marvel is weak as wash water, and they've got nobody left because Jon Favreau got away. Did you see the trailer for Miss Marvel? No, I haven't seen the trailer for Miss Marvel. Because oh I don't goodness. care. Yeah, the trailer for Miss Marvel is literally just like turning red. It is about. Of course, you know, it's about a little girl. Well, I don't know. She's not little. She's like, I don't know. Maybe in middle 15. school. Yeah, you know? 13, 14. But it's like, oh, there's a cute boy. Dreamy. And, like, I want to be my own person. And and I'm like, oh, my just, goodness. I want to be unique just like everybody else. Yeah, like, yeah. It's, it's the same shit over. And I will say the cinematography looked great. But that's about it. It is a big steaming pile of poo. Yeah. But it was framed very well. <laughs> yes. So. Yes. I like that. Yes. So. Very well said. But the best part is, Ms. Marvel is one of those franchises that has a very, very, very small but very vocal audience. It is the wokest of the woke. It is super woke. I, I, it is it is personified super woke. And the audience for this is furious because they have gone away from the, the character in the comics and her power set, her background, because they want to go in a different direction and be even woker. And so they've actually angered the social justice audience for this godforsaken franchise. Which honestly has been godforsaken since the seventies when the character was created to begin with. So this is going to be woke, and the only reason why I say that is because there is a part in the trailer where the where the kid's like, "Oh, that's a cool shirt," and she opens it up, and it's the Avengers. But who's leading the Avengers? Captain Marvel. Yep. That, and I'm like, oh god. <laughs> I'm sitting here right now looking at you've got a. Uh, You've got all the classic movie Avengers yeah. artwork on your walls. And I'd, aside from Spider-Man, not a single one of these characters has survived into this, into the new Avengers. I don't know. Not a single one. That's why. Not a single one escaped unscathed. The Spider-Man, because that belongs to Sony. Hulk used to be with Universal, and Universal couldn't figure out what the hell they were doing with it. So it's that's poison. 
Ant-Man, I don't know if Ant-Man will even make it into the new Avengers. Thor is going to be female. They're going to they're going to boob swap it. Iron Man's getting a boob lift. Captain America's not going to be there because who wants a who wants any any positive representation of America here? Hawkeye got a boob lift. Black Widow is dead. Black Panther's going to be a boob lift. Yeah. This is and and for that matter, Ant-Man. Let's get back to Ant-Man. That's going to be the Wasp by the time we get to the Avengers movie. Uh, that yeah. is going to be a huge pile of poop. Like, I mean, this Phase 4 is just not looking too healthy. <laughs> but they, they still feel obligated to go ahead and release them all. If, if again, Disney is smart, they... Ab <laughs> Here's classic. They would abort Phase 4 and go straight to Phase 5 and start over again. Find your new Iron Man, find your new Captain America, find your new Thor, and, and just reboot. Find find your new Black Panther. Hell, you got one. You got two sitting there. No, 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 Who would no. make great Black Panthers? You've got Killmonger and you've got Sissy Panther. Either one of them could be fantastic Black Panthers if you were to just get off the pot and push it out. Push it out. Just wait another I want to say 10 years. Disney will reboot all of these. <laughs> wait 10 years. Disney or they'll, they'll wait, go. Ten, wait 10 years till they've driven them all in the ditch. Disney's going to either shut them down or sell them off. They'll go backwards. Instead of taking their animated stuff and turn it live action, they'll take these and turn it into animated. Because <laughs> <laughs> it'll be cheaper that way. And I, honestly, Disney probably will. Because, for one thing, Walt Disney Feature Animation is eating Pixar's lunch now because all the good people at Pixar left for Walt Disney Feature Animation because they had the history going all the way back to Snow White and before. And second, Disney, out of all the studios in Hollywood, Disney is the one that's going to be able to overcome the Uncanny Valley and will switch to CGI actors because they've already done it with The Mandalorian. They've got. They managed to. They managed to nail Mark Hamill in the book of Boba Fett. The look, the sound. They've. Final. They've nailed it. They finally overcome the uncanny valley. Because they they know where to find the artists. That's always been Disney's strength is finding good new artists. They found a good artist who knows how to do deep fakes. He proved it on YouTube. Now he's at Disney. He's handling. Luke Skywalker, he will handle, I guarantee he will handle Han Solo and Princess Leia. Bet you money we get, by the end of the decade, I bet you money we get a new Star Wars movie featuring Luke Skywalker, Han Solo, and Princess Leia telling the story after Return of the Jedi. I will not be surprised. And it will I'm, all be deep fake. I'm surprised we haven't gotten a movie where they took somebody who's been dead for like, I don't know how long, and put them in a the movie. It's coming. It, I know it's coming. I just it's, I'm surprised that hasn't happened yet. So. It'll ha it'll happen because it's it's a matter of time, because actors are just too much of a liability. I mean, take a look. We, I, we didn't mention this when we were talking about it, but take a look at the lady who plays Catwoman. The first weekend, the the Batman came out. We didn't mention this in the review. First weekend, Dub Batman came out. The first thing she did, as soon as people started looking at her and paying attention to her, she started bitching about how Steven Spielberg didn't use her properly 10 years ago. 
That was the first thing she did. She played the victim card. And she had to walk that back quick because everybody's like, what in the world are you doing, you nut? Because that's Warner not putting up with the crap. Warner's always been... Look, hold on. Let's go back in Hollywood history before we wrap this. Warner has always been the most populist studio in Hollywood. They always gave the people what they wanted, even when they didn't know they wanted it. They gave them Jim Cagney. They gave them Humphrey Bogart. They gave them Casablanca. They gave them all kinds of stuff. They gave them the Looney Tunes, which, which Looney Tunes compared to Disney's cartoons were crap. Even Chuck Jones was crap. All of it was crap. It was crass compared to the wonderful artistry of Walt Disney, and yet Looney Tunes paid the bills for Warners for decades. And Disney f couldn't get out of their own way except for the Mickey Mouse Club. They would show one cartoon a week. Looney Tunes was on 24 hours a day, seven days a week, all around the globe. You got one Disney cartoon every week on a Disney channel or on ABC for the Mickey Mouse Club, and that was it. Disney couldn't market for squat. Now, today, the idea that Disney can't market something is insane. Nobody markets like Disney, and yet Pixar is falling on its face. Marvel is falling on its face. Star Wars is falling on its face. All these franchises Disney spent billions of dollars to accumulate, and they're all falling on their faces. That's why you had a change at the top from the CEOs. Somebody at Disney is going to start cutting off some heads, and the heads are going to start rolling at Disney and Pixar and at... Uh, at Star Wars and at Lucasfilm, I guarantee you Pixar is going to be the first to roll. Pixar will be the first to roll because Pixar is the one sitting there bitching, getting back to turning red. See how this all goes full circle if you, <laughs> if you sit through the podcast? It's Pixar that's bitching about being shunted off on Disney Plus because Disney knows Pixar doesn't have it right now. They are not worth a theatrical release. Oh boy. Somebody finally came out and said, and I'll never be heard. Nobody will give a crap. We have like four listeners to our podcasts. We have like three viewers on YouTube. We have, we get maybe a couple of dozen views over on Facebook because of your movie group. People are going to be saying this in the next year because why? Because Spike is always a year ahead of the curve. I'm telling you, there is going to be bloodshed at Pixar over Turning Red, which is going to be ironic as hell. For a movie about a 13-year-old girl on her period. So, so on that note, Chris, you got any last punchlines for the audience at home? Maybe we can get another fire engine going up through here. I have nothing. He's got awesome. nothing. So, which is like... It's another irony. We had all the fire engines going by. We were talking about all these dumpster fires in pop culture. I know, so, right? It I, a lot. You know what? I need, to, I need to snip that out of one of these things. So whenever we start talking about dumpster fire, we start playing that on a loop in the background. <laughs> so, the only thing good that we actually talked about was the whole uh, Freddy Cougar. The, the thing that didn't happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. So, by and large, overall, Bat the, the Batman is better than Turning Red. And, quite frankly, 
quite frankly, a concussion is probably better than turning red. So I would rather I would rather have a period than than watch Turning Red again. If you're on Disney Plus and you're trying to figure out if you should watch Turning Red, don't watch Luca. There you go. Watch Luca. Watch watch some of the good. If you want to see a good coming of age film, watch the four Toy Story movies all over again. Yeah. And you will see a, a coming of age movie for the. Just watch Woody. Watch your Woodies. So, till next time, kids. On that final piece of advice, mind, mind your Woody. Spike, Chris, and the show was geeking out. We are geeking out of here. Ta y'all. See y'all. Hello, happy campers. At long, long last, Spike, Chris, and the show is geeking out and. Boy, it's been a ridiculous month, Chris. I gotta admit, we've, uh, for one reason or another, I'm sick, you're sick, we're both sick for, for sick, or something or other's going on, and we're not able to get together and do these little podcasts until now. But well, last week, last weekend, when last we, it was a snowstorm. I had to walk in it, and I started to cough and sneeze. So I just figured maybe I shouldn't, just in case it turns. See, into now you're learning. There you go. So anyway. yay! Yay! All right. So <laughs> we have. It's been what three weeks since we recorded anything. Yes. We've got a lot of stuff to talk about, so we'll let's start by getting some of these reviews out of the way. Did you what? Well, let's go ahead and do the. The Batman first. The Batman, yes. The oh, Batman. I wrote stuff down just... Yeah. Chris has written stuff down. Chris, why don't you review for us what is The Batman? It's only been the, the number one movie in the country for the past two weeks. Yeah, that's doing pretty good, actually. Um, so, The Batman with, the Robert, Batman with Robert Pattinson as Sparkles. Batman. Yes, Mr. Sparkles. Sparkly. Directed by Matt Reeves. Uh, this is supposed to take... Basically, the more of the noir detective side of Batman, and like make make it interesting. Which, I love the way you're doing your hands for an audio <laughs> podcast. That is hilarious. I'm trying to like figure out the worst like put it. For those of you who aren't aware, let me take an aside here for a second. We, <laughs> I have pretty much given up on trying to shoot video because it's just our two ugly mugs. We're also recording at Casa del Chris right now, so you may be hearing traffic from the... Because every time we start recording at Chris's place, every a-hole with a with holes in his muffler comes roaring up and down North Maysville Street in Mount Sterling where we record, which is the home of Casa del Chris, right above the mental health facility, incidentally. So, <laughs> you know... I love telling people that. that I, is, not. I think not. But anyway. <laughs> so anyway, the uh, so now I'm just we're just recording the the audio podcast is like the raw format of the show. This is where we put the entire show out, and I'll come up with a few little uh, video things to put on the YouTube channel and stuff, so you get little snippets of stuff we do over there. When, if and when I get around to doing it, and boy, that is not very likely, because we did, I think three weeks ago, we did an hour-long podcast, and I think I put out 15 minutes of video. <laughs> so, <laughs> so a little shop talk there. It is, it is. But back to Bat Sparkles. Anyway. Sparkles! 
you were saying that it's more of a noir detective it, type thing. Yeah, and that's what I liked about it. Um, was this the best Batman movie ever? No. Um, will I actually watch it again? Here's the thing, okay? This is one of those movies that I, I consider good, but will I ever watch it again? No. And remember, I am a I am a Batman fan. He's I a love Batman. Batman. This movie, like it, it, it's it's a detective murder mystery movie where you have literally the Riddler going around taking people who are corrupt and bringing them into the light. You know all the bad stuff that they've done, bringing it all into the light. Which also is not exactly the smartest plan that he has because what's the use of bringing, unleashing all of their secrets when he's just literally going to kill them? I, I didn't understand that part. Part of that is not just killing the person keeps them from doing anything else in the future, but what the Riddler is trying to do, and there's going to be spoilers all over this review. It's been two weeks. Y'all can suck it. So, you need a bag of bat dicks, but I like you. Anyway, he's trying to destroy their legacies because he... Okay, let's let's review this. Okay. Right, let's look at this the way Uncle Juju looks at this. Okay, this is this takes far more inspiration from detective comics than it does from Iron Man. And let's... Can we be honest here for once? Let's be honest. Be honest. Iron Man was a ripoff of Batman. We're talking about the movies here. Okay, yeah. we're not talking about the comic books. We're talking about the movies. Yes. The first Iron Man with Morton, Down Morton Downey Jr. Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> I was like, There's a callback. Now I'm dating myself, not like any woman ever would. But anyway. <laughs> not that I would, because I'm a happily married man, damn it. We're looking at wow. 30th anniversary coming up here. But anyhow, I the first Iron Man with Robert Downey Jr., that was a direct rip-off of all the Batman movies that had come before it, because by the time they made the first Iron Man, Batman was nothing more than a guy in a frickin' suit of armor, driving a tank, and just blowing stuff up. Okay? Where is Batman in that? That's not Batman, that's Iron Man. Yeah. So Batman was at the Batman movies, for some insane reason... The movie makers of these Batman movies were all drawing more inspiration from Iron Man than they were from the Batman books. Okay? Right. Batman, there there are two core Batman comics. Not that the comics are relevant anymore, not after DC's finished wiping their ass with them. And we'll talk about DC's being homeless later. Uh, Image is homeless too, by the way. But anyway, the... Uh, Detective Comics it was always the more cerebral one, supposedly. And Batman was the more action-oriented thing. By the time we hit the 80s, that was the way it had divvied up. Detective Comics was where, you, where the people who liked to think went. Batman was the one where you wanted to see superheroes. Yeah. Okay? Traditionally, Batman in, on television, movies, draws more from the Batman comic side than from Detective. Okay? Now... The closest, you're going to give me an eye roll here, but the closest they ever got in pop culture to Detective Comics was Adam West in the, in the 60s Batman. Because they actually, it, they were not very good mysteries, I'm not going to say. I'm not going to say it was fantastic detective work when you can pull a bat suppository out of your bat butt and solve whatever <laughs> the, the crime of the week is, then 
But at least it was an effort. It showed Batman was, in some rudimentary way, a detective. The movies completely ignored that because there was just way too much chance to use dark, moody, quote, noir settings, and then pearls hitting the pavement, and which is from the movies. That was never in the comics. And then uh, put that together with all the, like I said, the, the suits of armor, the tanks and stuff, and it becomes Iron Man. You go, you go, run, you go blow your nose, see if I care. Oh, keep talking, keep talking. He wants me to keep on talking, so I, by golly, I can keep talking. The thing with Detective Comics is nobody over the last 40 years has really put too much thought into the detective side of Batman. He is known, or he was known, as the Dark Knight Detective. He's originally known as the Dark Detective. And the Dark Knight Detective because he operated in the middle of the night. It wasn't until Frank Miller hit it in the mid-80s that he started driving tanks wearing suits of armors and became the Dark Knight. <laughs> but up until then, he was known as the Dark Knight Detective. No <laughs> K. Because he operated in the night. He's a bat. That's what bats do. They operate at night. Sure. There's, there's your detective work for you. Sure. This movie has done, does more, displays more detective work than all the other Batman movies put together. Okay? Except maybe for the Adam West one they did back in the 60s. They did do a movie based on that Batman. He did do a little detective work there. But, no, you know what? You can go ahead and lump that in. Because even with all that, like I said, it wasn't that good. So this one actually treats Batman as a detective. Bruce Wayne is an afterthought, which is good. Stop showing me Bruce Wayne. The, the movie is not called The Bruce Wayne, okay? It is The Batman. I mean, we, we paid 12 bucks to see Batman, darn it. Don't show me emo Bruce Wayne, especially with Robert Pattinson. Okay, oh, Robert Pattinson is extra emo as Bruce Wayne. Yeah, he did, he did a good job as Batman. Not so Not much so as Bruce. Much. Because Bruce Wayne, he's treating him as a, as a broody 19-year-old emo kid. So we, none of us need that. With lines like, you're not my father. Yeah, that was creative as hell. Yeah. You, <laughs> you can tell there were a whole lot of fingers in this pie. Okay, you can see where the detective parts came in. You saw where the emo parts came in. You saw where the social justice parts came in. Most like most of that's probably from Matt Reeves. I've been hearing a lot of talk leading up to the release and even after the release. Not so much after because uh, what actually got released wasn't didn't really match what people were speculating it would be. There was social justice elements here. Okay. But, to be honest, it was more a critique of social justice warriors that I saw than any kind of embracing of those ideas. The Riddler looks like that, that glasses-wearing Karen with the little uh, toboggan on her head screaming at the top of her lungs out in the street when she hears Donald Trump got elected back in 2016. Huh. It was meme-tastic. He, he's a dead ringer for her. He's even got the glasses. 
uh, cat and woman mouthing off about the white male hierarchy and stuff. That was a throwaway line that just about everybody in the in the white male audience laughed at. But anyway, or scoffed at at least. This movie, not the social justice warrior epic that everybody was afraid it would be. Woke, yeah, you could call it woke, but quite frankly, it was not the focus of the film. The film itself was way too long. The film is three hours. Spoilers. Three hours long. You could cut this film back. Okay, honestly, I thought this the day we saw it. I've been thinking about it ever since because we saw it opening weekend. I've been thinking about it ever since. If you take... You can watch the film right up to the point where the Riddler has been arrested. He's in Arkham. And Batman is on the other side of the glass interrogating him. And Batman basically tells Riddler, nobody knows who you are. You didn't make an impression on anybody. And Riddler starts screaming like Karen in the street. You could have stopped the film there, and you would have had a perfectly serviceable film. Instead, we have to drag on for about another 30, 40 minutes. We have to flood downtown Gotham. For some reason, Gotham is suddenly not rising out of the Gotham River, it's under the Gotham River, just like New Orleans, okay? All of a sudden, this is a thing. So you can see Gotham's underwater. Golly, that's a nice little touch there, Matt. <laughs> Matthew. Uh, by and large, the movie's not bad. It's not, not a waste of time by any stretch. It's entertaining enough, like I said, Stick there until you get to Arkham Asylum. As soon as Riddler starts doing his social justice wail, leave. You don't need anything that comes after that because none of it's worth watching. And there are little touches, little social justice touches all, all after doing commentary and stuff. At, at one point, you see, spoilers, you see Batman and Catwoman on motorcycles. Catwoman turns, they come to a... a a junction in the road, Catwoman turns left, and Batman turns right. That was subtle as a brick to the face. <laughs> but, like you said, Chris, it's, it's a good movie. I didn't mind seeing it once. I don't think I could sit through it again. Yeah. I would actually, I would actually like to see, like, to, like with Justice League, I would like to see a, a new director's cut, one of the previous director's, cut all of Matt Reeves' crap out and see how much of a film you have left. <laughs> I would love to see that, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. It, so, go ahead. It was, like, way too long. Like, the, there was forced love between Batman and Catwoman. It literally felt like it was forced because it was like, I'm brooding. I hate this. I hate that. Ooh, girl. <laughs> like, literally, that's what it was like. Boobies. Yeah. <laughs> Booters. I'm not going to say that Catwoman was bad. Because I did love how he used her for the nightclub scene. Also, I really, really enjoyed Penguin. Colin Farrell's Penguin. He literally stole the movie. And Colin he was Farrell hardly usually in it. does. Colin Farrell always steals the, steals he was, the scene. He was hardly in it. But it's like... Robert Pattinson, you know, I know everybody says he's a good actor now, but still not uh, Batman impressive. Um, also, 
as for the detective thing, I had an issue with because Alfred did all the work. <laughs> Alfred yeah, he, did the, the, did his homework. Yeah, Alfred did all the intellectual heavy lifting. Alfred was actually the best detective of the bunch, but. <clears throat> and then there's a there's a bit in there where uh, Bruce Wayne goes to Falcone because he finds something about his dad. Goes to Falcone. Falcone says. Yeah, your dad's not exactly the goody two-shoes like you think he is. And he's like, no! And then he goes to... Uh, goes to Alfred. Alfred. And Alfred's like, no, your dad was a good man. And he's like, oh, okay. Like, what the hell? Like, that didn't need to be in the movie at all. The whole fact, actually, anything that dealt with his parents did not necessarily need to be in the movie at all. Because that had no... There was no reason for that to be mm -hmm. in the movie. Well, it's, you know, we've talked about this before on a previous episode. Hollywood has daddy issues. Yeah. Very severe daddy issues. And that's why Thomas Wayne always gets shot in the head and Martha Wayne drops the pearls. But it's, it, like, there's some aspects of this movie that I liked. Like, I love, like, the beginning. The whole part of him talking about fear and he uses fear. And there was this whole montage of like the like different bad guys doing different things, and then like they look into the darkness. And even though there's nothing in the darkness, they think he's there, and they get freaked out. Like that whole thing was awesome, brilliantly well done. I loved it. I really that's, did. I that's that. that's somebody who understands a character and knows how to write for him. And that, that's a sign of good storytelling. The problem, okay, I'm, I do want to make a quick point about a missed opportunity here. And we t I talked about this after we saw the film. Okay, Batman has these little contact lenses that have built-in cameras. Yes. Okay, they have wireless built-in cameras. So whatever he's looking at, he can record. Yes. Okay. Winds up putting on Catwoman so that she can... She can go into a nightclub and get evidence for him and stuff and using her, her yeah. little contact lenses. Okay. A missed opportunity. Okay. In the comic books, Batman's eyes are always white. You don't see the pupils. You don't see the iris. He is white because that is part of the mystique of the Batman. Nobody knows who he is. He's this spooky, mythical figure of the night. Why couldn't you make the uh, contact lenses opaque? Make them opaque and white so you can still see through them because it's a one-way thing. Just like Spider-Man's lenses, it's a one-way, basically a one-way glass so you can see out and it doesn't interfere with anything. But now suddenly Batman looks like friggin' Batman. Okay, you're not seeing the eyes. And if you actually pay attention to the eyes through the movie like I did, because it distracted the heck out of me once I saw those little uh, contact lenses, I was like, turn it! That was a missed opportunity. <laughs> but you can tell, every single one of these, you can tell Batman goes through about a gallon of Visine, about an hour, because his yeah. eyes are like Oxidol white. They're whiter than white. So that way his, his dark eyes stand out and stuff more. But if you had just used opaque contact lenses then then you could have had Batman without the pupils and suddenly he seems a lot more mysterious and stuff which would have been a fantastic effect for the movie and I think would have would have gone over really well with audiences but 
What do I know? I'm I'm I mean, no, I mean, yeah. I, I definitely hear what you're saying on that one. Um <laughs> If you can over all these idiots without the mufflers. <laughs> I know, ahead. it's like it's just funny how like, okay, we could probably do this because you know, there's no traffic, but then I was like, Oh yeah, it's it's twelve o'clock, which means people are out of church and going to get food and sh so <laughs> yeah. But anyway, um uh, something else that really did bother me. Well, actually, there's two things that bother me. The dialogue. Again, we I already said, like, you know, Bruce Wayne going, like, you're not my father. And then you have, like, <laughs> there's this part in the movie where him and uh, Gordon works together a whole lot throughout the movie. And there's this part where they find, like, a, a thumb drive and all that stuff. And when he shows Gordon the thumb drive, Gordon's like, oh my god. And it's like, what the heck? Like, <laughs> and then, <laughs> then there's this other scene where, like, Batman is in, like, the, the police station. And Gordon just walks up to him and goes like, gotta get you out of here. Like, what the f***? What's going on here? Like, All right. All right. Well, one thing, you did know why they referred to it as a thumb drive, right? Yeah. Because okay, yeah. because you needed the victim's thumb in order to unlock the contents of the thumb drive. Yeah. Because it, it, yeah. That was a nice little touch. It I like just, that. It's just his reaction to it, like, oh my god. <laughs> his his oh my god reaction to it was because they couldn't. They couldn't figure out how to actually get onto the files on the USB. It wasn't until Batman pointed out it was a thumb drive and pulled the victim's thumb out that this, which was cut off by the way, so that you would have easy the you'd have easy access to it. But anyway, so yeah, I, the dialogue can be a little hokey sometimes. Also, something else that bothered me was I know Gotham's supposed to be like this hell, basically. But there's trash everywhere. Like, everywhere. There's an elevator that Batman and, and all, pretty much everybody uses in the movie. And there's trash bags on the elevator. And I'm like, how are these people even surviving? Like, there's trash on the streets. There's trash on the elevator. How is there trash on the elevator? That's, what, that's part of the reason why I didn't think this was such a woke movie. I mean, honestly, this is a critique of Democrat policies, if you want to get political about it, because it's Democrat cities over the past couple of years that are catching fire, that are have homeless problems, that have trash piling up in the streets and stuff. So I figure part of that, Matt Reeves is probably not the most woke uh, director in Hollywood, but you can tell... He was making points in there. But, it was still... Yeah. I was like, wow. So, all right, let's 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 wrap this because we already spent 25 minutes on this. Uh, okay. About 20 minutes if you include all the the loud mufflers. But anyway, the... Uh, <laughs> so, on a scale of one to five, the geeking out one to five, where five, you would pay full price to watch this on a Saturday night with a date, and one, you might catch it for free on Pluto TV if you happen to trip over it. Where would you give this, Chris? If you had a nice big screen TV at your house with a surround sound, and you can sit on the couch and watch it, that I will choose. 
So you would wait for it to come out on Blu-ray or 4K or something yes, like that? Yes, because you do not want to spend three hours in the theater watching this movie. Because it's not one of those that it's like, oh, it seems like time goes by so fast. It's just kind of annoying because of the seats. Hmm. We had trouble walking out of there. That <laughs> yeah, at, on a scale of one to five, I would give Batman a three. So I would... I would probably get it on, like, DVD or Blu-ray, but uh, it would be one of those things I would watch every once in a long while. I definitely wouldn't go back into a theater to see it. I don't, I don't need, need to see it that bad, but I would like to have it in the library, just because yeah. it, it actually was a decent movie. Plus, then I could stop at the Arkham scene and then move on with my life. But anyway, Chris, did you see Turning Red? Yes. You finally saw a turning red. Yes. Okay. How much of turning red did you make it through? I watched it all. You watched it all because you're glutton for punishment. It was right. a painful process. I watched it because I was actually seeing people saying good things about it. Mm-hmm. But now I'm starting to wonder if they were just paid. <laughs> Disney wouldn't do that. They don't pay anybody. I, I also watched it because it's a Pixar movie and I have not missed not one Pixar movie. Mm -hmm. This did not seem like a Pixar movie at all. Mm -hmm. Like even the artwork. Somebody said that this movie was better than Encanto. And I was like, really? Then how come I'm not hearing... A lot of people talk about this movie like I do in Kento. This movie sucked balls. Probably the <laughs> worst. It's literally probably the worst Pixar movie I have ever seen. Mm, it's even worse that. than Cars 3. Mm, okay. Go ahead, Nick. J justify your hate. This movie is just about a girl who has who is like literally growing up. So she has all these hormones. She there's there's a, a guy in school she ends up sweating over. There's a boy band that she sweats over. There's a guy that works in a uh, uh, some type of store that she sweats over, and she's basically just going through puberty. That's all it is. She's going through puberty, and that's what this movie's basically about. Okay. She has a group of friends who are just weird as shit. You got the tomboy girl, who I actually thought was going to end up being a lesbian, but she's not. You got one who just does this, like, talks like a robot because she's, like, awkward. And then you have this one who's really feisty, and she's like, yeah, ooh, yeah, eh, you know, type of, I don't know what the hell I just did, but something like that. So you got these friends. Uh, she she uh, basically has this really. Her mom is very over -lo loving. She watches her every move. She doesn't like boys. She doesn't want her daughter to. She doesn't even like her daughter's friends. It's like very like, I love you, but you need to do this, this, this. Basically, whatever it is I say. So it's basically mommy issues there. Um, she starts turning into this big red panda 
because of, honestly, I can't even remember. She's just going through puberty. That's basically all it is. That's what the Red Panda is. She wants to be different. She wants to be feisty. I'm telling all the bad things because there is no good things in this movie. Um, the music is terrible because the, there's a, there's no singing except for the boy band. And the boy band has this song and it just sucks. Um, <laughs> there is... I heard people crying about this, you know, at the end of this movie because it's a Pixar movie. There is nothing there to cry about. It's just like, Mom, you gotta let me be my own thing. But I can't. I love you. And then, like, that's literally the, the, the thing. That's it. That's and the it's, it's like, yeah. oh, wow. Yeah, okay. Um, the artwork, as I said, it doesn't seem like it's a Pixar movie. What's really weird about the artwork is the city, all the background, even the characters, the colors of them was like blended. It's like they like it's a painting that's set in the sun too long. Like the color faded. Mm -hmm. So all the color schemes in the movie was faded except for her. And I don't know, usually people don't do that unless they're trying to tell something. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what they're trying to say here. Because, like, she's the only one that is more colorful than everything else around her. And I just don't know exactly why. Like, she's more bright. So, there's something... I know they're trying to say something. I just don't know what it is. Really don't give a shit. Um, there, as for the lesbian aspect of it, there is a scene where the one that I said talks like a robot. You know, she's just, like, moody. There's a scene where they're at a party and there's this goth girl and they start dancing together and the two main characters like do this, see them dancing and do this elbow bump like he 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 he, you know, like, okay, but that doesn't go nowhere and it doesn't, it's, I, I don't understand that because the, 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 the girl has a thing for one of the boys in the boy band. So it's like, so you're just including that there is a fact that this person might actually be a lesbian, but also not. I don't know what you're trying to do here. The boy in school that the main character has a crush on, he shows up once and disappears. And it's like, well, what the hell was that all about? Why show this person if it's not going to be mentioned or go anywhere? There was a lot about this movie that was like, I don't recommend it. If you want to watch it, go ahead. This is more of one of those movies that maybe a 10-year-old girl would actually watch. I saw a comment that said, I'm not going to watch this movie because it's made for girls. And I was like, wow, man. You know, there's Tangled is pretty much a girl movie, but I love Tangled. You know, stuff like that. But watching this movie, yeah, this has female, very young female all written all over it. Like, this was just made for little girls who I wouldn't consider lost. Just, they just want to see a big red panda. Confused. <laughs> I don't know what to call it. But yeah, I don't recommend it. That movie sucked, guys. Okay. Worst one I've ever seen. Okay. Are you done? Yes. Are you done? Yes. You're done. Yes. yes. 
What a difference John Lasseter makes, huh? John Lasseter was the guy who helped Steve... It was John Lasseter who helped establish Pixar as an animation studio. He was the... John Lasseter was the guy who convinced Steve Jobs that Pixar could be an animation studio. And it cared. They did a good job. And he did a very good job. John Lasseter's not there anymore because he was huggy. He was oh, huggy. Yeah, he liked right. to hug that's girls. Right. That's he, right. he was touchy-feely. He was huggy. He was all this other stuff. So he's got to go, I believe. He's now at Skydance. Entertainment over at 20th, uh, not 20th Century, he's at uh, Universal, I think. He's with Skydance Entertainment, and I believe Brad Bird just joined him over there. Brad Bird was the guy responsible for The Incredibles and a bunch of other yeah. stuff. So all your visionaries are now gone from Pixar. Okay. And what you get is Turning Red. Now, Turning Red, good lord. All right. <laughs> Your uncle, Juju, your uncle Juju is a frustrated storyteller, right? Because your uncle Juju just... He's, he's mentally constipated when it comes to storytelling. He just cannot squeeze it out. <laughs> okay. I, I have pinched loafs with better storylines than this one. This is an allegory about a girl's first period. Let's just go ahead. Spoiler alert. That's what it's about. It's about a 13-year-old so. girl having her first period. And you can tell this was going to be a dumpster fire from the beginning because, first of all, Disney put this on Disney+. Plus. Understand something, okay? Animated films are expensive AF to make, okay? Even CGI ones, especially Pixar, because Pixar... Pixar uses its own proprietary computer systems. They have their very own software that they use for anim CGI animation. Pretty much one of the standard animation uh, software packages on the market. Okay, That's Pixar. There's a lot of legacy cost. It costs Disney, which basically now owns Pixar, a fortune to make this film. And yet they pushed... Just like they did with uh, Luca. They pushed this out on Disney+. Plus. Which i got to say something about Luca, too. The reason... And Pixar was upset that this didn't get a theatrical release. Okay? Because if this had gotten a theatrical release, I honestly think it would have done far more damage to the Pixar brand. Okay? I've got to give Disney credit. This should not have been... Honestly, this should not have been released on Disney+. Plus. This is... God, I don't want to be one of those jerk critics who sits there and makes some kind of sexual innuendo, but this is a mental circle jerk on the part of Pixar storytelling. Okay? Somebody at Pixar got a, got a rag up their coochie and decided we need to do an entire movie about a girl having her first period and we're going to make it metaphorical by turning her into a large red panda because, you know, when you're on your period, they're swelling, you're retaining water, so you balloon up, and of course there's blood involved, so you're turning red, and so all this other foo-foo-foo. And of course, let's not get started on the pubic hairs, that's why it's big and furry, Oh my God, stop sexualizing 13-year-olds, okay? 
I, I actually tweeted this out. Stop grooming underage children, you a-holes. This movie... Okay, now first of all, let's leave all the, the biological stuff out, okay? This is supposed to be a coming-of-age film. Compa all right, we're going to call this a coming-of-age film. Let's look at another coming-of-age film. Let's look at all four Toy Stories. Okay. Toy Story 1 is about Woody, which is already a, a loaded term there when we're talking about this. Woody, the cowboy, having to get used to uh, the new hot thing of Buzz Lightyear showing up. And Buzz, by the way, is going to be Gay Mackin in his new movie because we've just got to tread everything under the church of the holy a-hole of Hollywood. Okay, Hollywood's new church just worships the anus like nobody's business. Can I just go ahead and, and throw that out there? Okay? Yeah, it's going to be one of those podcasts. That's going to get this video thrown off uh, YouTube. Somebody's going to report it. Even though we, we only have three people watching these videos on YouTube. There's you and me checking to make sure it posted properly, and then one other person that's watching it. Which, and that person's probably going to report us for, for the Church of the Holy Avon. I don't know that other person. But anyway, apparently somebody's watching us on Facebook, but we'll see. Um, so Toy Story 1, coming of age, Andy is young. He's like eight. And Woody has to learn how to share. Okay. Toy Story 2, Andy's getting older. The toys are winding up with the little sister. We get to Toy Story 3. Andy's too old for his toys, so he's come of age. The sister's too old for the toys, so they wind up at a daycare center. And they have to adjust to life being basically a life of abuse. And then we get to Toy Story 4, where Woody finally grows the F up and learns to go his own way. He doesn't have to be somebody else's plaything. He can determine his own fate. So all four Toy Story films are about Woody's coming of age. Not Andy, Woody. Not even Buzz, Woody. Okay? Because we start with a very infantile view of life, and then in, by the end of Toy Story 4, he's grown up, and Woody is off making a life with Bo Peep and, and pursuing his own destiny. Okay? Compare that to... Hold on, some oh. asshole. Are you done? You done? Okay, he's done. I need to... There he goes. Now he's gone away. I'll edit that out later. Anyway, or maybe I won't. Maybe I'll just leave it in because, you know what? We're already talking about a-holes, so let's yeah, just go that's, ahead. That was We're already hard. talking about a-holes and bleeding, so let's just <laughs> go ahead. Toy Story in four films, okay, does a better does a better coming-of-age arc, which you didn't even notice until I pointed it out. Sure. That's fine. That's fine. And there's nothing wrong with that. Most people don't see it that way until it's pointed to them, and they're like, oh, my goodness. Be like Commissioner Gordon, like, oh, my God, a thumb drive? Oh, my God. A thumb drive. <laughs> anyway, so I point out the thumb drive. <sighs> this is a film of coming-of-age stories, okay? This is, this, that's what the entire film is about, and they blow it completely. Just completely blew it. The girl's trying to be everything to everybody, okay? She is, she's a classic overachiever. 
Asian, of course, because Asians always overachieve. So we're reinforcing stereotypes right, right from the get-go. Works in an Asian American temple, okay? So we're just reinforcing stereotypes left and right, just like, just like these quote storytellers do. They reinforce stereotypes by trying to enforce their own stereotypes. Now, so we get through all the dreck about her, her background, her friends who, you've got one friend who actually has some character, and like you mentioned, the two others are throwaway characters. They didn't even need to be there. No, yeah. You could have made this film about May, the main character. We haven't even mentioned her name yet. May, the main character. Yeah. Her friend who, who I can't think of, and her mom, okay? Yeah. So, you've got these three characters. There's your three, okay? One of the core storytelling uh, techniques is you've got three. You'll have a group of three. You'll have the you'll have the protagonist. You'll have the best friend, and you'll have the parental figure. Yeah. Okay. It's classic. I mean, Kirk, Spock, McCoy. Okay. You got <laughs> you got Kirk as the super ego. You've got uh, Spock as the well. You've got Kirk basically as the ego. Spock is the super ego, and McCoy is the id. So you've got May is basically May is basically your your ego here. Mom is super ego because she's the one controlling, and the friend is the id. Okay. You could have made it about those three, and you could have told a better story by focusing on those three. You focused on the wrong characters. There's a movie that came out back in the '90s called Now and Then. Remember that one? Mm-hmm. About a group of girls, coming of age movie. They did it pretty good. They did a lot better than this one. Oh, way better now, than this one. Now, while we're saying, while we're saying that, like you said, now and then was a better coming of age movie. The Stand by Me was a better oh, coming yeah, of age movie than this me. one. Yeah. Hey, guess what? What? Pixar has a long, long history of ripping off other people's ideas. Yes. They, they come by it honest. That's why they went with Disney, because Disney has a long, long history of ripping off other people's ideas. Lion King, the white lion. But anyway, look those two up and, and wait for the uh, cease and desist from Disney. But anyway, <laughs> a point being, so many missed opportunities because you don't have the storytelling talent that you used to have. You just have... You have the touchy-feeliness part that John Lasseter established, and so it became a part of the formula at Pixar. And like I said, Pixar's done coming of age before. They've done it a lot better than this. But without John Lasseter there to to provide focus, without the, the storytelling talent of a Brad Bird, what you wind up with is a nice big steaming pile of red panda poo that is turning red. Give it. What were you going to say before we do the one to five? I am going to say something that is going to drive you insane because you have already talked about sexualizing and stuff like Please that. Please stop sexualizing children. Thank there you. There is something. I read that parents were really angry about this movie. And I always assumed, and I think we talked about it once before, that... It was because it was about a period, you know. Mm -hmm. No, 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 no. That's not what it was about. No, oh. that's not why they're upset. 
Go ahead and go ahead and finish explaining what you've heard. Though. There's a couple of things in this movie that I was literally felt very uncomfortable because I was like, "What the?" There is one scene where the, 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 I already said that there's a guy that they had a crush on that worked at a store, mm-hmm. right? Well, this time she saw him and it felt different. So she went to her room. Got on bed and her she started to sweat and I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. And instead she was like drawing like pictures of like him, uh, him and her and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, I thought it was insinuating that she was, you know. But then there is a scene at the end of the movie when she's confronting her mom. She's like, I love this, I love that, and she says. I love vibrating, and I'm like, yeah. Let's let's be a little. Uh, <laughs> let's be a little. Can we be just a little less subtle? I was honestly like, uh, okay. Honestly, that word? honestly, this film should have at least been PG thirteen, if not R. I actually, if it was up to me, if I was on the MPAA, I would have given this film an R, and I would have dared Pixar to challenge me on it. Because this is a sophomoric attempt, okay? This is what a bunch of teenage... This is what a bunch of teenage boys would come up with if they had to write a, if they had to write a movie about a girl having her first period. Uh, okay, I'm not going to lie. The girl I work with, when I was telling her about all this, she's like, was this directed by a guy... Because it seems like that this is like what they would think that a girl's... And then we looked it up and it was not. It was by two or three women. It was by two or three and, women. And but I, they... Are, they, like, oh. <laughs> they su- there are women out there who suffer. I'm not going to say they suffer from penis envy, but they're trying to show they can be just as much of an a-hole as a guy can ever be. Yeah. They think that's what makes them equal. And that's part of the problem here. Like I said, if John Lasseter were there, John Lasseter would have put a stop to that in pre-production. He would, John, let me, let me explain. I know enough about John Lasseter, okay? I've seen, I don't know John Lasseter from Adam, okay? But I've seen the background. I've seen the making of. I've seen enough of John Lasseter. I understand, I think I understand his concept a little more. When you produce an animated movie, you start out basically with a comic book, okay? Basically, you start out, you take a big empty wall, you start sketching out things onto note cards along with story beats, and you just make an entire wall full of story beats and extremes on the the art and stuff to give people an idea of what the story you're telling. Turning Red would would have put that on the wall and John Lasseter would have come in, he would have read it, he would have listened to it, he'd have torn every single one off the wall and said, start over. You will not make this film. Now, before I, before I wrap this, let me say, he also would, he probably would not have approved of the art style just because it is so amateurish. This is a non-anime fan's idea of what anime looks like, okay? The big eyes, the bug eyes, the jelly bean mouths. Yeah, what is it? Like, it doesn't that, seem like that, it's Pixar at all. I was just like, what's that? It's not Pixar. It, 
it's Pix it's somebody at Pixar's idea of what anime is supposed to look like. Go check your phone. Your, no, I'm his phone's screaming at the background. Okay. <laughs> but this is uh, honestly this this is somebody's. It, this is almost a farce. It's almost like a like a a Mad Magazine level satire of what anime would look like. And, and the hilarious part is, anime is not Chinese, it's Japanese. But all these references are Chinese things. I guess they thought this would, this would sell in China or something. This wouldn't get, I don't think uh, China would let this in their borders. This is, this is supposed to be about like Chinese traditions, and Chinese customs and all this other stuff. China wouldn't let this in through the, wouldn't even let this in the country. There was very little of that in this movie, honestly. Yeah. But uh, that's where, it, like I said, it's almost a parody. This is almost like Mad Magazine doing a parody of, uh, of some kind of anime yeah. or manga thing. It, it was... It, was it, it, will appeal, it will appeal to people who are looking for, quote, edgy content. End quote. And I mean, that's, that's what I call it. Quote, edgy, end quote. Content. Now, when I first tried to watch this movie, I decided to watch Luca instead. Mm-hmm. I laughed my butt off at Luca. Luca was really, really funny. Like, and it was kind of interesting, but they also had the big eyes and the, yes. you know. But it was, it, was, it was more funnier and more entertaining. Way better than... Turning red. Just saying. We didn't come here to to praise turning red. We came here to bury it. So <laughs> kind of like a turd in a litter box. So speaking of that, one to five, Chris, what would you give turning red? Total zero. You give it a zero. I would give it uh, I'm hesitant to give it a zero because I think you should watch it. You, you, you really need to have a bad day and then watch this film. And that, that way you'll, get, you'll be right in the mood of the people who created this film. Because this is derivative. They think they're making a salient point. They think they're being edgy and look, oh, how cool we are. Even teenage girls, I think, would, would take one look at this film. They might sit all the way through it, but they would never see it again. So... At best, this would be a one, one of those see it once and never want to see it again. But yeah, with you, I'm, I wouldn't give it a zero, but I'd give it like a 0 0.001. <laughs> I, I, think, wow. I think you should see this just so you can see how not to tell a story. So, I agree. I so, agree. I agree. So that takes, that buries... And I'm, I already know exactly what picture I'm going to put up on the video of our Turning Red <laughs> oh, review. No. Oh, it's going, no. to be a, going to be a big old box of Tampax with, turning, with the red panda right on the cover. Or better yet, it'll be an open box of Tampax <laughs> and it'll have a bunch of little turning red panda heads on top. Oh, that, well so. done. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, because if I tried putting up a cigarette with the red panda as the lit end, I'd be thrown off YouTube. So, so that takes care of that. 
Uh, Chris, have we got any newsish stuff we need to talk about? Or? Oh yeah, let's yeah. let's run through this quickly because our our podcast is our podcast session's already an hour long. I start getting a little antsy by this point. All right, we'll go we'll go quick. Uh, Do it quick. <coughs> what do we Sorry. got? What happened? Robert England's, you know, better known as Freddie. Freddie. Not uh, Five Nights at Freddy either, Freddy Krueger. Yeah. Five Nights at Freddy Krueger would be awesome though. But <laughs> Freddy Krueger and Five Nights at Freddy, I would take I would take that bet. Uh, Robert England talked about that there used to, that there was an idea for a movie called Freddy versus Jason versus Ash. <laughs> but the director <laughs> had that issues. would be that'd be way too awesome to exist. The director had issues. No fully. because Freddy. Apparently, like he said, that he didn't want Freddy to die again like he did in the other movie. So, because of that, there was an issue. But Robert England said that he pictured the poster in his head where it had Ash standing there with wind blowing his hair back, his <laughs> chest showing, and it had Jason in one headlock and Freddy in another. So... <laughs> I could see that too, but he'd have, he'd have to have a chainsaw. He has a he has a chainsaw in his right hand. Yeah. It's his right hand that's cut off, right? Ash. Uh, I'm trying to think. I can't remember which one Ash has. I think it's his right hand. Yeah, I think it is. So you'd have so basically you'd have Jason there, sitting there helpless with the holding the machete and he can't do anything with it, and then with the big old chainsaw right there. And then he'd have Freddy on the other hand, and what would he have? Like a giant pitchfork or something to go know. with the knives on his hand? And it would be Bruce Campbell's big old chin sitting there with the, the packs and everything. <laughs> and it'd be Freddy versus Jason versus Ash tossed salad. That would be that would oh, be yeah. fun. I would have out yeah, I would have paid for that and God bless the fanboys. They ruin everything. He because did. where in the continuity would that be, right? He did say that Sam Raimi... Sam Raimi would oh, probably orgasm over seeing this idea. Sam Raimi was actually on board to help to make this movie, but yeah. it was the other director that yeah, had the issues. little pansy. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. That was, that was actually what a bad thing. Far too cool to exist. I don't know. It would have been so cool. It was TCE. That's what that's called. TCE. Anyway, what uh, do you got, Chris? Christopher Lloyd will be joining the Mandalorian. I saw three. that, and I, I, I just, I was just all over that on Twitter because I, I, I sat there and I had to think for a second. Like, wait a minute, Christopher Lloyd, in in a Star Wars. Hmm. 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 <laughs> And and it's the, he's going to be on the Mandalorian, right? Yep. Which means he's going to be working with Favreau and Filoni. Yep. The two guys who know what they're actually doing in Star yep. Wars, right? Yay! <laughs> Yay! I'm, Happy I'm just... for me. I'm still living with the crushing disappointment that the little Debbie ice cream launch never actually happened at Walmart. I was so upset about that. It's been it's been over a month since we reported that. Still have not seen a drop of that ice cream. At any of 15 Walmarts I've been in, and in the course of my job over the last month, that is just sad. That is sad, but sad. this gives this this gives me the happies. I'm happy with that. So I'm there. I'm down with it. Me too. My, my only question is, what in the world would he play? I don't know. What character would he? 
I don't know, but either which way, I'm going to enjoy my ass for with this. <laughs> it's going to be great. Um, you remember a show called Early Edition? Yes, I remember Early Edition. That was actually a decent idea. I love that show. That was actually a decent idea. It was, it was kind of like Quantum Leap on its head. Because Early Edition never got any love from streaming. It never really got, any, got much love in syndication or anything. But it was a unique, it was a really cool concept. A guy would get up in his headline, his newspaper. Yes, they actually delivered newspapers back By then. By a cat. By a cat. <laughs> the newspaper would be for the next day and have a headline of some disaster he would have to head off. and he, So he would basically have no more than 24 hours to head it off. It would happen sometime that day. He would have to try to stop it, which is an awesome idea. It's kind of like Quantum Leap and Sliders by way of... Uh, the Gutenberg Press. So, pretty neat idea. So anyway, what are they doing with Early Edition? How are they going to ruin Early Edition? Well, they're rebooting it with uh, actress Elisa Eve. Now, a lot of people don't know who Elisa Eve is. Like me. I honestly don't know either. The only, <laughs> the only, the only movie I remember her from was she was in, I think it was the second Star Trek movie. The, the newer ones, the J.J. Abrams. Oh, I think it was the second one. Or it may have been the third one. I don't know. But she's in one of those. But yeah, she's going to be uh, in it. And that's all I got for that. Yawn. Okay. So, so, at, least a, so at least a boob lift there. I'm not sure who she is. So I'm, that's all I'm going to go is boob lift. Go ahead. Well, I, I, I guarantee you, if you looked her up on about the Star Trek, it's easy to find her because... She's the only one in the movie franchise that had this awkward scene where she had to take her shirt off and she's in her bra with Captain Kirk going like over, you know, Oh, she's not the one playing Uhura, is she? No, she's not the one playing Uhura. No, that's... Okay. That's like Uhura was... Zoe's... Uhura was into Spock for some insane reason, which is just not done. (laughs) JJ. Um... I should have known you were you were worthless, JJ. It was Carlton Cuse who it was Carlton Cuse who made Lost. I actually sat down and watched The Adventures of Briscoe County Junior yesterday, the first episode, with Carlton Carlton Cuse as executive producer, and Bruce Campbell leading with his chin. Oh my goodness! I'm, <laughs> that that had more awesome in it, and that's a thirty-year-old Fox Ooh. series. That had more awesome in it than all the Hollywood blockbusters so far this year. So, go ahead. <laughs> what else happened? Um, Sean Levy, director, writer, will be directing Deadpool 3. He did Free Guy. He did... He's uh, There's a new movie on Netflix uh, with Ryan Reynolds and uh, the Incredible Hulk dude. Uh, shit. What was his name? Mark Ruffalo. Mark Ruffalo. Called the Adam Project, which I did watch. I did enjoy it. It was pretty good. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> it was a okay, you know, uh, anyway. Yeah, yeah, um, no, 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 he will be uh, doing Deadpool three, and is also he wants to see if he can get Hugh Jackman to <laughs> to, be to probably make a, a appearing role in the movie, and due to the fact that there's been this. Long time running of Ryan and and Hugh Jackman just kind of like not butting heads but joking with each other. 
messing with that because that's what everybody yeah. wanted to see. They wanted to see Deadpool right now is the face of the X Men franchise. Sadly yeah. enough, and next to Hugh Jackman, so it's always the same thing in the comics. It, everybody thinks of X Men. It's either Deadpool or it's Wolverine, yeah, and it's so, usually Wolverine. But and knowing Deadpool, they could probably pull this off without Hugh Jackman actually coming back as Wolverine. Because I mean, if you remember you t- in the second one at the end, he was playing with Tom and he went and just killed his the Deadpool in the Wolverine movie mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And, you know, so it's... The other thing, too, is that in all the Deadpool comics, and and Marvel was notorious for this in the 90s and the 2000s, Wolverine was on pretty much every cover. And so it was always... Dead, in the Deadpool comics, it was usually Deadpool screwing with Wolverine. Yeah. If, the, if the editors required him to have Wolverine, it was always Deadpool screwing with him one way or the other. <laughs> and Which then, it should be. <laughs> so I can imagine if, if they can get Hugh Jackman in, in Deadpool 3, it'll be a 10-second appearance, but he'll be featured very, very, oh, very yeah. prominently on the Deadpool 3 movie posters just to dick with everybody. <laughs> It'd be great. Just like Deadpool always did back in the day. So, um, In other news, yeah. filming wraps on the Weird Al story with Daniel Radcliffe playing Weird Al. I'm actually intrigued on, on seeing this one. I, I would actually like to see this just to see Dr. Demento get some play. Oh, I, please tell me Dr. Demento is going to be in this. And tell me Al Yankovic's going to be playing Dr. Demento. That would be hilarious on so many levels. That would be that, that would justify the making of the movie. I would actually tolerate Daniel Radcliffe for that. Because Daniel Radcliffe, for for those those of you like me who wish they didn't know... Daniel Radcliffe used to be Harry Potter, right? Yeah. Okay. So I actually got that one right. And yeah. I got to admit, over the years, Daniel has literally grown on me because he he can actually do a, a whole lot of comedy and make fun of himself. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, you know, this guy, this guy's pretty cool because there's like a show on television called uh, something about like the well, the first season was about God and. And the next season was about uh, uh, the Oregon Trail. Uh, I don't know, but mm. anyway. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> I just brought that to a screeching note. Daniel Radcliffe is part of that generation. Hollywood tried so hard to stereotype him, and he just would not have it. Yes. And, and the best part about modern Hollywood, it's really hard to stereotype somebody because they can always go on YouTube and dick around with everybody. <laughs> yeah. So, and Daniel Radcliffe is one of the first to manage to do that. So, um, also, we talked about how Rob Zombie is doing the Monsters movie, yeah. and I feared it because Rob Zombie only knows how to do horror stuff, yeah. right? Rob Zombie can't even <laughs> play a musical instrument halfway yeah. decently. I never thought he was that impressive as a as a horror guy. The Monsters is a comedic take on the classic Universal monster yeah. set because it, it's actually a Universal property. But go ahead. Well, it was released that the the Monsters have already been rated and it will be rated PG. This is going to be. Remember what uh, Spy Kids was for Robert Rodriguez. Yeah, Robert Rodriguez made his cut his teeth with like grindhouse flicks and that all these true. really I never things. Thought about that. And yeah. and then 
but then he got he had kids, so he had this the the touchy feelies and and created Spy Kids and stuff. And you know, it wasn't until years later that we got the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers writing KitchenAid appliances in the book of Boba Fett from him. Ooh. So it's uh, so this is this would probably be Rob Zombie's Spy Kids, I'd imagine. It might work. It could I'm it could excited. work because you never know if they already have Elvira going to be in it. So. <laughs> uh, well, there wasn't any hope I would have had for that. Alright, now on to some really big news. Because honestly, before we let this before we let this go, I was gonna say let this bone go, but the virus <laughs> is To be honest, I'll take Sven Gooley any day of the week over Elvira. So if you were to get Sven Gooley Actually I think he's in the movie too. I hope so, because that might counteract the Elvira thing, but get Sven Gooley in there and have him live next door at thirteen fifteen Mockingbird. Berwin. Berwin. Berwin, but anyway. Um, so some big news happened. Uh, uh, DC decided to change everything. <laughs> I get. Wait a minute. Let me do the Rocky voice. Hi, Ken. <laughs> they pushed a bunch of movies uh, back on the schedule and pulled some forward. So here is the release dates of these movies. Mm-hmm. Shazam two. Uh, something of the gods will be released December twelfth, two thousand and twenty-two. Huh. So Shazam two's been moved up to this year. Okay. Uh, Super Pets will be released July 29th. That one actually may not be that bad because that I seems know, like one of those. Right? I- that seems like such an idiotic idea. But Guardians of the Galaxy was an idiotic idea, and they pulled it off. So this might, this just might be goofy enough to work. Have you seen the trailer of Batman and, uh, uh, I and forgot what the Ace the Bat Hound? Yeah. yeah. That's, like that's a real one. shame. That I know hilarious. these characters. That was hilarious. I'm waiting to see if Beppo the Super Monkey turns up. <laughs> um, anyway, Super Pets comes out July 29th. Black Adam uh-huh. comes out October 21st of this year. Now, that one I would actually like to see, and I think that would be an awesome... That's actually... Hold on. Meta, having that released just before Halloween is going to be meta as hell because that is that has such potential to... I mean, Black Adam technically is a villain, so this is going to be a story about an anti-villain. True. Now, True. now here's another thing. Here's another thing. Hollywood... For all the talk about anti-heroes and stuff over the years, the one thing they haven't explored is the anti-villain. Black Adam it could could be the codifier for anti-villains in Hollywood, where you do movies about villains, but they're noble villains. True. If, and Marvel, again, just like Pixar and Disney, they're good at ripping other people off, Black Adam is going to give rise to a Doctor Doom movie sometime in the next year or two. Guarantee it. Which I would actually wouldn't mind seeing. But anyway. So um, anyway, so Black Adam's going to come out October 21st. Um, yeah. Let's let's clear that on for the now. schedule. For I need now. To, for <laughs> now. Let's clear that on the schedule. I need to see that because just because that is going to be so heavily flavored with JSA stuff. 
I had I never actually got around to watching Stargirl season two because I'm I'm so tired of what they did to the JSA. And I wanted to like it because it's Jeff Johns and I love Jeff Johns and I would and of course I would read tea leaves written by Jeff Johns, but I just couldn't take couldn't take Stargirl season two. I just couldn't get into it. Same thing with Superman and Lois season two. I I just never got back into it because the CW has chased me off. The CW is the CW is TV cancer right now. It is. I, I just want nothing to do with it. So I will wait until it turns up somewhere else. I won't see it on HBO Max either. But if I can, maybe I'll watch it on the CW app one of these days. But that also means I have to deal with a bunch of CW ads, which I don't need that in my life. <laughs> so what what else was was DC um, shu- DC shuffling the the deck chairs on the Titanic right now? So. Aquaman 2 apparently was supposed to come out in December, but it has been pushed back to March 17th of 23. December of twenty of 2022 or December 2021? Uh, it was... Uh, Do you know? December of this year. 2022. Mm-hmm. But it's been pushed back to March of next year. That sounds like... Uh, that sounds like they're trying to angle that more for away from the the blockbuster schedule, which is probably good. Aquaman doesn't need to be slugging it out. And then the Flash movie <clears throat> is going to be coming out June 23rd of 2023. So now, wait a minute. You've got... Ooh, we've got movies coming out about every two or three months then. Mm-hmm. And we, we have been in a DC drought here lately. I think what they're trying to do is just catch up. I think Warner is trying to retrench right now because where they, they AT&T jettisoned their butts and forced them into a merger with Discovery Media. And uh, uh, okay. so that I think that's what might be happening there. Now, it did come out here in the last, couple, last week or so. DC got kicked out of the Warner Media headquarters, and I think it's Discovery wanting to divest of them. DC made this huge deal a couple of years ago. They, they moved from New York to, to Hollywood because DC was going to be this big Hollywood thing, and so they set up Coast at Warner Brothers Studios, like two doors down from the Warner Brothers and the Warner sister Dot over at Warner, over at Warner Media. And <laughs> and they've been kicked out. The the DC publishing arm had to find new digs somewhere else. They they got kicked out because they wanted that space for I guess for some of the Discovery guys. And from what I've heard, Image Comics went through the same thing. They had to give up their digs for less expensive huh. headlines, which is weird because Image has been eating DC and DC's lunch for quite a while now but but i guess image is the comic book industry right now is imploding because they're all involved in the church of the holy coochie so <laughs> the church of social justice if you see so. ever like loses one of the brothers and they're up for sale what do you say me and you put up everything we got <laughs> and buy their honestly <laughs> i honestly think now hold on a minute I honestly think that if we were to get a Kickstarter from hell started, 
the DC fans would probably come together and we might be able to make a, the DC nation might be able to come together and, and at least make an effort to try to buy DC comics. But odds are it's, excuse me, odds are it's going to be, it's going to wind up being owned by some Chinese firm or something. I honestly think that's the way it'll turn out. It'll be some Chinese firm looking to buy an American property and then, and then Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman are just lost. And the rest of the Justice League, for that matter, because it wasn't that long ago they were talking about killing off the entire Justice League. Whether they actually pulled that off or not, I don't know, because I haven't actually read a DC comic in the last two years. DC's homeless, Image is homeless, Marvel is just homely. <laughs> I think what DC is doing, though, when it comes to the movies, I think they're doing a smart play here. Because I don't know how many times we have talked about how Marvel, with their new phase going in... Phase 4. It's kind of it not... sucking wind. Exactly. It is sucking so much ass and, right now. And, and we kind of saw this coming because they got rid of their biggest, you know, their big players. So now they're starting with a bunch of newbies that hasn't really hit home or the magic like the old did... So DC seeing this and be like, hey, this is our time. Yeah. <laughs> like, let's do this. <laughs> it, it, it's a tale as old as time. It's Beauty and the Beast. Marvel's been the beauty right up until Phase 4 started, which ironically is female-centric. DC has been sucking wind except for the Batman franchise, which is the oh. only thing that's been paying their bills for all this time. If DC can find the stones... To stand up and actually put out traditional con superhero content, they can eat Marvel and Disney's lunch for the next decade. Yeah, because they're weak right now. Marvel is weak as wash water, and they've got nobody left because Jon Favreau got away. Did you see the trailer for Miss Marvel? No, I haven't seen the trailer for Miss Marvel. Oh, I don't goodness. care. Yeah, the trailer for Miss Marvel is literally. Just like Turning Red. It is about, of course, you know, it's about a little girl. Well, I don't know. She's not little. She's like, I don't know. Maybe in middle 15. school. Yeah, you know? 13, 14. But it's like, oh, there's a cute boy. Dreamy. And, like, I want to be my own person. And, and I'm like, oh, my just, goodness. I want to be unique just like everybody else. Yeah, like. Yeah. It's, it's the same shit over, and I will say the cinematography looked great, but that's about <laughs> it. It is a big steaming pile of poo, yeah. but it was framed very well. <laughs> yes, so. yes, I like that, yes, so. very well said. <laughs> but the best part is, Ms. Marvel is one of those franchises that has a very 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 small but very vocal audience it is the wokest of the woke it is super woke I, it, I, it is it is personified super woke and there the audience for this is furious because they have gone away from the the character in the comics and her power set her background because they want to go in a different direction and be even woker and so they've actually angered the social justice audience for this godforsaken franchise. 
which honestly has been godforsaken since the 70s when the character was created to begin with. So This is going to be woke, and the only reason why I say that is because there's a part in the trailer where the, where the kid's like, oh, that's a cool shirt, and she opens it up, and it's the Avengers, but who's leading the Avengers? Captain Marvel. Yep. That, and I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> I'm sitting here right now looking at, you've got... Uh, You've got all the classic movie Avengers yeah. artwork on your walls. And I, aside from Spider-Man, not a single one of these characters has survived into this, into the new Avengers. I don't know. Not a single one. That's why. Not a single one escaped unscathed. The Spider-Man, because that belongs to Sony. Hulk used to be with Universal, and Universal couldn't figure out what the hell they were doing with it. So it's that's poison. Ant-Man, I don't know if Ant-Man will even make it into the new Avengers. Thor is going to be female. They're going to they're going to boob swap it. Iron Man's getting a boob lift. Captain America's not going to be there because who wants a who wants any any positive representation of America here? Hawkeye got a boob lift. Black Widow is dead. Black Panther's going to be a boob lift. Yeah. This is and and for that matter, Ant-Man, let's get back to Ant-Man. That's going to be the Wasp. By the time we get to the Avengers movie, uh, that yeah. is going to be a huge pile of poop. Like, I mean, this Phase 4 is just not looking too healthy. <laughs> but they, they still feel obligated to go ahead and release them all. If, if again, Disney is smart, they... Ab <laughs> Here's classic. They would abort Phase 4 and go straight to Phase 5 and start over again. No. Find your new Iron Man, find your new Captain America, find your new Thor, and, and just reboot. Find find your new Black Panther. Hell, you got one. You got two sitting there. No, 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 Who no, would no. make great Black Panthers? You've got Killmonger and you've got Sissy Panther. Either one of them could be fantastic Black Panthers if you were to just get off the pot and push it up. Push it out. Just wait another I want to say 10 years. Disney will reboot all of these. <laughs> wait 10 years. Disney or they'll, they'll wait, go. Ten, wait 10 years till they've driven them all in the ditch. Disney's going to either shut them down or sell them off. They'll go backwards. Instead of taking their animated stuff and turning it live action, they'll take these and turn it into animated. Because <laughs> <laughs> it'll be cheaper that way. And, and honestly, Disney probably will. Because, for one thing, Walt Disney Feature Animation is eating Pixar's lunch now because all the good people at Pixar left for Walt Disney Feature Animation because they had the history going all the way back to Snow White and before. And second, Disney, out of all the studios in Hollywood, Disney is the one that's going to be able to overcome the Uncanny Valley and will switch to CGI actors because they've already done it with The Mandalorian. They've got. They managed to. Sure. They managed to nail Mark Hamill in the book of Boba Fett. The look, the sound. They've, they've nailed it. They've finally overcome the uncanny valley. Because they they know where to find the artists. That's always been Disney's strength is finding good new artists. They found a good artist who knows how to do deep fakes. He proved it on YouTube. Now he's at Disney. He's handling. Luke Skywalker, he will handle, I guarantee he will handle Han Solo and Princess Leia 
bet you money we get, by the end of the decade, I bet you money we get a new Star Wars movie featuring Luke Skywalker, Han Solo, and Princess Leia telling the story after Return of the Jedi. I will not be surprised. And it will all be deep fake. I'm surprised we haven't gotten a movie where they took somebody who's been dead for like I don't know how long and put them in the movie. It's coming. I know it's coming. I just I'm surprised that hasn't happened yet. It'll it'll happen because it's it's a matter of time because actors are just too much of a liability. I mean, take a look. We, We didn't mention this when we were talking about it, but take a look at the lady who plays Catwoman. The first weekend, the the Batman came out. We didn't mention this in the review. The first weekend, the Batman came out. The first thing she did, as soon as people started looking at her and paying attention to her, she started bitching about how Steven Spielberg didn't use her properly ten years ago. <laughs> that was the first thing she did. She played the victim card. And she had to walk that back quick because everybody's like, what in the world are you doing, you nut? Because that's Warner not putting up with the crap. Warner's always been... Hold on. Let's go back in Hollywood history before we wrap this. Warner has always been the most populist studio in Hollywood. They always gave the people what they wanted, even when they didn't know they wanted it. They gave them Jim Cagney. They gave them Humphrey Bogart. They gave them Casablanca. They gave them all kinds of stuff. They gave them the Looney Tunes, which... which Looney Tunes compared to Disney's cartoons were crap. Even Chuck Jones was crap. All of it was crap. It was crass compared to the wonderful artistry of Walt Disney, and yet Looney Tunes paid the bills for Warners for decades. And Disney couldn't get out of their own way except for the Mickey Mouse Club. They would show one cartoon a week. Looney Tunes was on 24 hours a day, seven days a week, all around the globe. You got one Disney cartoon every week on a Disney channel or on ABC for the Mickey Mouse Club, and that was it. Disney couldn't market for squat. Now, today, the idea that Disney can't market something is insane. Nobody markets like Disney, and yet Pixar is falling on its face. Marvel is falling on its face. Star Wars is falling on its face. All these franchises, Disney spent billions of dollars to accumulate, and they're all falling on their faces. That's why you had a change at the top from the CEOs. Somebody at Disney is going to start cutting off some heads, and the heads are going to start rolling at Disney and Pixar and at, uh, at Star Wars and at Lucasfilm. I guarantee you Pixar is going to be the first to roll. Pixar will be the first to roll because Pixar is the one sitting there bitching, getting back to turning red. See how this all goes full circle if you, <laughs> if you sit through the podcast? It's Pixar that's bitching about being shunted off on Disney Plus because Disney knows Pixar doesn't have it right now. They are not worth a theatrical release. Oh, boy. Somebody finally came out and said, and I'll never be heard. Nobody will give a crap. We have like four listeners to our podcasts. We have like three viewers on YouTube. We have we get maybe a couple of dozen views over on Facebook because of your movie group. People are going to be saying this in the next year because why? Because Spike is always a year ahead of the curve. 
I'm telling you, there is going to be bloodshed at Pixar over turning red, which is going to be ironic as hell. For a movie about a 13-year-old girl on her period. So, so on that note, Chris, you got any last punchlines for the audience at home? Maybe we can get another fire engine going up through here. I have nothing. He's got awesome. nothing. So, which is which is another irony. We had all the fire engines going by. And we were talking about all these dumpster fires in pop culture. I know, so, right? I, a lot. You know what? I need to I need to snip that out of one of these things. So whenever we start talking about dumpster fire, we start playing that on a loop in the background. <laughs> so the only thing good that we actually talked about was the whole uh, Freddy Cougar. The, the thing that didn't happen. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So, by and large, overall, Bat the, the Batman is better than Turning Red. And, quite frankly, quite frankly, a concussion is probably better than Turning Red. So, I would rather, I would rather have a period than, than watch Turning Red again. If you're on Disney Plus and you're trying to figure out if you should watch Turning Red, don't. Watch Luca. There you go. Watch Luca. Watch watch some of the good. If you want to see a good coming of age film, watch the four Toy Story movies all over again. Yeah. And you will see a, a coming of age movie for the. Just watch Woody. Watch your Woodies. So, till next time, kids. On that final piece of advice, <laughs> mind mind your Woody. Spike. Chris. And the show was geeking out. We are geeking out of here. <laughs> Ta y'all. See y'all.